Episode 222. That's me, Gary P. And of course, it's the prop, Carl Riley. Like you said last week, Gary, soak it up. Soak it up. These are the good times. I had that moment. I had that moment I spoke about. I had it. And you were there beside me when I had it. Was this when you were staring at Huberman's head yeah. on uh, Brazzers' table? <laughs> the mafia style head laid at the edge of the table. I'll give you his head as an offering to the family. Um, yeah, so brilliant stuff. We are officially 20 times champions. And with a win over Derry. So, yes, thanks to our sponsors all season. This is our last one, Prof. Am I right? Our last podcast. Our last podcast of the year. No, we're going to come back next week. We're coming back next week to discuss and UCD. We'll do, we'll do a couple more. Like there'll we'll be think of, of something. There'll be off-season stuff. There's a couple of interviews still in the bag we haven't aired yet, so... But you're forgetting about the biggest podcast, the secret one, November 11th, Prof. The Tifties Player of the Year Award. Not a podcast. Yeah, that's the thing. You will never, ever hear the content of what goes on in those four walls unless you go. No cameras, no audio equipment. Doors are actually getting locked. We're actually locking the doors. What goes in never comes out. So, Sounds like a fire hazard, but okay. Yeah, so that is it. And um, yeah, we'll move on. So this week, we'll review, of course, Ocean Electrical, Lesser Credit, are brilliant, fantastic sponsors of the show and the award show. Um, they've been brilliant for us. All year, they've backed us. All fucking year, they've backed us to the hilt. And we're not just saying that because it's the end of the season, we want them to come back again next year. Nowhere near like that. It's not Brandon Mille and Gary McKay playing for a contract. It's that Richie Tell situation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this week we'll review the hard earned draw with Ghent and 1-0 win over Derry on Trophy Day celebrations that followed we also look ahead to the Euro Gardens for our last group stage game in Sweden with the help of former Rovers goalkeeper Oscar Janssen um, Oscar Cockney boy slash Swede mad accent going on isn't oh, it? that was a crazy accent mad accent going on and um, I was waiting for a prof to strangle him True. We're gonna actually do a, a bingo call. How many times he calls a shamrock? Right. Do a, do a shot at Baby Guinness every time he says <laughs> shamrock, and then Texas in the morning. See how you're feeling. Uh, he was a Stephen Kenny signing from Spurs in 2012, and the only player to wear a uh, Swedish player to ever wear the hoops. We believe 
So there you go. Anyone mm-hmm. can dig into the into the archives and come up with something better. We doubt it. I'm not aware of any others. Um, Conan Garth's prof Conan last week. Conan Garth last week. Brilliant. Basically, all the feedback was the same. It was I could listen to the two lads all day. I think um, not the way we have favorite Rovers people. Mm-hmm. I I think they're currently and they're tied at the top because it's been pushed. The boat has been pushed out. The standard has been raised by John Cody. JC is up there now. Favourite Rovers <laughs> people. We're fickle here at Shamrock Rovers and we change our favourite Rovers people. Me and Prophet talk about cool individuals and different personalities that we come across at Rovers. Mm. Conan Garts are up there at the minute. John Cody's up there as well. The crack we had with him. Do you know what was great crack about when we were having a point? The queue was so long. You'd be having the crack. I was in with the queue with him for the for like half an hour. So you're going to have to just like talk <laughs> shite for ages. I did. We put our foot in our mouth a couple of times. Or we put our fingers in our mouth as he'll... If he's listening now, he'll know what the story is. But, um, yeah. So we will... We got loads of good feedback, Prof. Yeah. A few people messaged us about Buckley becoming Bowes captain. We were saying, have you ever heard such a thing? And they were saying, did we not announce Finn as captain before? To which I say yes, and I say there's absolutely no comparison between us having finished fourth, signing a player who had just won the league and been the group stage with Dundalk, compared to Bowes bringing back a player who had just fecked off on holidays for a year. Yeah, touching dolphins and sitting on whales. (laughs) Here's the thing though, the new manager that he signed, right? So... You know he was already with a club. What, in Thailand? No, uh, sorry, Declan Devine. Oh, Declan. Right. Do you know Declan Devine was with a club? No, the mighty letter Kenny Rangers. Ooh. That's who they got him from. Was there a contract dispute? Massive, massive club. Um, yeah, so we're really, really uh, happy with how we got on last week. I love the two lads. I am buzzing more so. See, Khan said to me, um, in... We were having a drink and we were, he was chatting away to, to my missus and we were having a bit of a laugh. And he said that I should be hosting it. And I was like, no, I want to watch the two boys. <laughs> I, I'm like, I'm this is a selfish thing for me as well. Like, I'm interested in what I want to see them live. You know what I mean? So I'm just thinking, I don't want to get involved in this. I just want to watch them. I'll share the questions. So I'll be asking questions. I'll walk around with a microphone. Here, have you got a question for Cav or have you got a question for anybody? But I want to hear the lads. So that's that's pretty much it. <laughs> This is our night to put our feet up, Gary. Yeah. It's been a long season. Yeah, definitely, yeah. But we drew one all at home to Ghent on Thursday. Prof, seven players not in the squad. Couldn't believe this one when it came out now. Um, Bourne Borg, O'Neill, Green, Finn, Amaku and Power. And then Watson McCann came off injured in the first hour. Um, first half hour. Yeah, I was I was flying around the east stand, the west stand, the main stand, the south stand with Moya. Because we were kind of just advertising the player of the year award, sticking up posters and stuff like that. Yeah, a few people said they saw it randomly in the jacks as well. Yeah, yeah, best place for it. <laughs> Worst thing you do when you walk in, taking a piss. Next to Carl Mike, this number. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, I heard like one substitution too. I was like, no. So we went out and checked. And Mike was like, what's going on? Why is everybody coming off? Like, That's a good question. So, um, the bench was scary, wasn't it? Held together with sellotape, as Dunster said, this, this squad at the minute. Yeah, the new North Stand, girl. Yeah, new North Stand. Looking good, Prof. There's two seats in it. <laughs> As you said, what colour will they be? Yeah, Mitzi has um, decided that they're his seats and he wants to sit in them. He didn't get he didn't get there, though. He said he was going to sit mm. in them during the game against uh, Derry. Here's the problem with this. Okay, don't care. 
Uh, Mitzi doesn't sit down. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, why does yeah. he want seats? <laughs> uh, people point out it's it's really steep. I love that. I like the like a yellow wall vibe and uh, and um, signal doing a park in in Dortmund. Deadly looking. And I'm thinking, you know, as your mind starts to wander, are are the ultras gonna move because the south stands the south stand? Or are they going to go to the north stand and are they going to be closer to the away fans? It's actually a little bit further than I thought it'd be mm. from the away fans if the away fans stay in the east stand where they are. Is it kind of similar distance to Bowles at Dainamount, that corner? It could, ooh, a little bit further, possibly. It's possibly a little bit further. Um, we'll see what happens anyway. What about those six-footers, Gar? Or 5, 10, 11 at a push? <laughs> like, it's not easy to fit the old legs in there. And the last minute winners like Shelburne you're going to die. Yeah, possibly. Possibly. But it'll be worth it. Footage of their fans in the city. Uh, great aerial boards view footage prof of... <laughs> from what we were hearing, they were delighted to come over because they knew our guards weren't armed. So they reckoned they could have a pop at them. And a pop is what they had because the coppers, like, there was four or five coppers. This aerial view. And the cops are kind of swinging the batons at them. And the lads are thinking, oh, I can take this. And they're fighting back. One of them got... One of the coppers got launched by his jocks <laughs> across. Like, he was sliding. He got absolutely thrown all over the place. So now how were the garden chairs after this? Were they the, safe? The garden chairs. They, um, I don't know where they marched from. They must have got to Lewis eventually because they were in town and they were marching. I was thinking, they're going to miss kickoff. Yeah, it's a long old march. Now, they <laughs> got to Lewis apparently, but um, there appeared to be more fans of them on the streets of Dublin than there were in their home game against us. <laughs> That's what I was You're saying. Like, where, said, where were these people last month? Exactly. Where were these lads when we were pillaging their city? <laughs> That's what I was saying. Yeah. Uh, they had several players aff- affected by the flu, their manager revealed. Um, Richie Towell as well was hit by the flu, but the old salt caves must have, must have helped. <laughs> uh, Pico was given the bouquet. And when you first see this, you're like, what the hell? Like, give us a pennant for fuck's sake. Yeah. Flowers. But then... Actually had a really nice message on it saying like well done on the twenty league titles. So actually a uh, nice touch. And they're probably in the bottom of a, a refill site now at the minute. So pennant next time, please. I know. Put them in the in the club shop where, where they'll probably wield away. But still, <laughs> <laughs> flower them or um, water them. Yeah, Barry Carprop there in the main stand getting photos, and uh, he did the stand up for the champions chant. Oh, ah, St. Pat's, ah, Shed End Invisibles. <laughs> Apparently he's been at all three home games. He's been going to them, which um, I wasn't aware of, but uh, yeah, he was at that one. And uh, this next one, somebody somebody put this on Twitter about the dairy tickets, if you want to read it there. PA announced it, 2056. A reminder, the purchase your tickets for Sunday's game. At home to Dairy City, this game will sell out. 2057, we have now been informed Sunday's game has been sold out. <laughs> Did anyone hear? The, did you hear the Tifties announcement at halftime? I did, yeah. It did, it did happen because you can't hear a fucking thing in the south stand. Yeah, no, you can hear the, the PA pretty well in the main stand, right? But what made me laugh was the the t- go to Tifties dot com, <laughs> and I just thought, unless you're familiar with Tifties, you don't know how to spell that. Oh yeah, shit! <laughs> in my head, it's just so normal. Yeah, yeah. Tifties dot com. So we start the game anyway, and a whirlwind star prof Richie Tello picks up the ball on the what a, this fella has just. He's been brilliant in the last couple of weeks. Well, that's two really good performances from now further up the pitch. Yeah, that's it. So it's something 
like Brad's, I could be looking at his squad now and thinking there's going to be a bit of a turnover in my opinion. I think there's going to be a bit of a turnover with players in the off season, possibly our most challenging and um our our most important transfer window today off season as well. You could say because we could possibly lose four mm. or five, and we could have to rejig it and possibly have a new position for Tell maybe you know. Mm. But it's very very interesting to see what's going to happen next. But it's a great ball in diagonal prof. Absolutely weighted perfectly. Inch perfect. And then Gaff. Gaff Odinho just has to nod at home. Down into the ground. Beautiful, beautiful goal. And Crowd goes wild. Officially our fastest European goal ever. The fastest was Richie Purdy against Aldi Spar in 1998. He scored after six minutes. And was he the youngest player ever while he scored that? Or am I getting something wrong? Richie Purdy, 98. He wasn't that young. Who am I thinking of? Who's our youngest Our youngest appearance? is Idemo. Oh, Idemo. Who's our youngest ever appearance in Europe? It was beaten recently. I'm, I'm, I'm going I think there. Idemo beat, uh, has set the record for appearances for... Oh, sorry, no. Gavin was 16. Yeah. So Who he's the youngest player and Idemo is the youngest goal scorer. Okay. 17. I don't know what I'm thinking. When he scored against the Albanian crowd. But um, speaking of age, Gaffney had only turned 33 the other day. And... Uh, and that is his fifth European goal for us in two seasons. He has crept up there. He's already our second highest ever behind Burke. He has crept up there. When you said that, I thought to myself, one more season? Depends. So a, a sprightly 33-year-old. Um, does that worry you, his age? Because it doesn't show. No, it doesn't Physically show. at all. Do you know what I mean? And is that a thing that we shouldn't really take into account now? Set, he's, think about it. Alamannis is nearly eight years older than Gaffney. Well, Manus proves that age is irrelevant sometimes. But it's then, irrelevant, yeah. Do you Cotton. remember Dan McDonald's post-mortem in... When did he do it again? It was. It, it was, was after Bulgaria. It was after Ludogorets. It was July. Yeah, yeah, around then. And, and it was call, a post-mortem. He was calling out the ages of our squad. And he made, he made sense. He did make sense, yeah, but, but I thought it was a bit premature. I thought it was over the top. Yeah, it was. It was premature. Um... Yeah, so uh, we hit the post as well soon after a profit. Gaff, hit Gaffney hit the post. The right? Gaff. Pretty soon, yeah. Um, keeper pushed it onto the post. <laughs> um, I thought it was in. No, I was kind of behind it from the, the middle. Um, it was end-to-end stuff early stages. Like, they they had goaled us after uh, our goal and then Gaffney hit the post. So it was end-to-end. And like we said, the injuries, care. Yep. We fair as well coming up, but what's and Grace came on from McCann with Horse stepping into midfield, aka uh, Sean Beckon Hoare. What a player, Beckon Bauer, Beckon Hoare. That's gonna go on the flag now because everything has to go on the flag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone actually, actually at the uh, after the game, the fellow who made the Chris McCann flag, Zidane McCann, he got a photo of it with McCann. Somebody, who did some, somebody pulled me up on slagging one of their flags? Wasn't the fucking it wasn't Batman's butler one. It was the other one. I can't remember what it I was. I don't think I've slagged too many. I did slag one there a few weeks ago. It's just the, the volume of the I slagged, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's good though. It's good. Um, and, um, so yeah, I mentioned the fastest goal ever in Europe. Uh, possibly the fastest yellow card ever in Europe as well. Just mm. in only 30 seconds uh, on the pitch. And then Gannon the same later on. He only off the bench and he got booked straight away. Yeah. Um yeah, so McCann and, and, and Watts were, were actually playing well, so that was unfortunate. Um, the two of them had to to come off. And then, shortly after that, Cabo goes down from a crunch and tackle, and everyone stands thinking the same thing. Jesus, like, maybe I should have brought me boots myself yeah, here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Luckily, he was okay, but like you said, the squad was 
held together by cell tape at this point. Already made two subs. And again, I'm probably we're all thinking as well, imagine we had gone into the Derry game needing to win oh, with all of these injuries. You've been panicking. Panic stages. But if you think about mm. it, right, when you look at the score, the, the core of this team, we're talking about changeovers and potentially uh, losing players and people coming in the squad and the core of this team is made of fucking Kevlar. Look at it. Think about in our next... We've, we've got Sean Hoare who has been unbelievable, right? He's got two, three years left. You've Grace who has taken some unnecessary flack in certain WhatsApp groups recently. Absolute head cases. He did a sliding interception in this game near it, the end. It, it was, was outrageous. Unbelievable. It went out for a corner, didn't it? Yeah. Stunning. Grace does get... Fair enough, he, like he's... No, do you know what? Grace has been unbelievable. The impact he had when he came in in 2017... Un-fucking-believable. A great servant. Three titles in a row. I won't take any fucking... Anyone give, to give him Grace shit. So think about it. Grace is still going to be around for... He's 20s. Horror's 20s. You've got Cleary, 25, 26. Pico's going to be around for years. This is... Th- that, that's a serious core of, of a back four, a back five, and all our defenders. That's an unbelievable core. That is how you build championship winning teams when people were talking about our average age I think they were specifically looking at Tell and McCann for some reason in the middle Finn possibly is in there as well because he's 35 Mm. now I think as well but Finn could go I could say Finn could do a Manus he could go on for that long you know he keeps evolving as a player but like I said Mm. this squad and the core there's a few a few nip bits uh, there's a bit of nipping and tucking to do but I'm confident in the management team to get in the right players so, yeah, a crazy amount of injuries. And we were just waiting for someone to post on Robert's chat. We need Darren Dillon back. Yeah, yeah. Um, we had two good Manus saves in this half. Although one was actually offside anyway. But it was the one where Manus just got across. Didn't even dive. He just sort of put his body in the way. Yeah, yeah. At close range. Then was the second one he tipped over the bar? The second one was going top corner. Unbelievable. I was in line with it because I was waiting on... Um, Maya's uncle took it in to the ground and I was just kind of waiting at the steps and it was right in line prof the speed on that shot <laughs> it was going top corner and he just plucked it out of the air unbelievable that was the better save of the two but actually the first one made the conference league twitter poll I don't know how this didn't do you know why they do that yeah, yeah which yeah. is brilliant by the way if you don't follow it follow that conference league twitter account oh, and oh, the yeah, Instagram um, account it's brilliant I found that very useful because I wrote an article in the programme Summon up how all the other groups are doing. So I went back through the Twitter and Instagram for little stats and stuff. So mm. yeah, I found that really cool. But a very, very enjoyable first half, prof. Very, very enjoyable. And um, it was party time in the stands. So we, got, we came in and second half. They had two very good chances then. The, the little Korean boy came on. Uh, you he still was, have my joke. He, <laughs> <laughs> he was very good. Uh, they had a great chance um, where... He's a good player, isn't he? They kind of passed their way into the box and your man just should have pulled the trigger. I don't know what he was waiting for and he, he got cleared. That was that was a golden opportunity. And then right after that, they hit the post uh, from a shoulder. Not even a header. He shouldered onto the bottom post. Mm-hmm. And Gaffney had a goal reeled out from offside. You must, Was this into the south stand, was it? Uh, I think it was, yeah. Yeah. Uh, would have been a hell of a strike if it had, uh, if it had counted, but Har was deemed to be off. So. We um, young Ferrazoi is getting uh, very excited. I think there was a bit. He was getting a bit of flack as well online and somebody like this kid is seventeen. He's gonna be a superstar, so he's still learning the game. 
It was a silly red card, but we'll go back to the first yellow. First yellow was harsh. Mm. Um, he because it's frustrating because of the position and the pitch where it happens. It's on the edge of their box. There's nobody around them, and it's a pull on the shirt. It, it's technically yellow, I suppose, but the ref doesn't have to give that. I think it's because someone pointed out that we we'd made like a few niggly fouls before that. And that put it in the ref's mind, right, next one's a yellow. Yeah, he's and Justin just happened to come on that minute. He's unfortunate. The second one is a definite yellow. Puts his puts the studs in. Yeah. And it's unfortunate, yeah. Brazier said afterwards he was just about to sub him. It was because it was he was very said, unfortunate, said yeah. he was on the edge, yeah. And I was arguing with somebody after the game and he was like saying, ah, could you could you do that to the young man though? Could you could you sub him and embarrass him after coming on? I was like, uh, there's half a million euro on the line here. Embarrass him? I, listen, people have bad games. Like who cares about someone's feelings? We're, cop- we're talking about 500,000 euro mm. here. Um, but yeah, just in general, like the re- like stats went up saying we had seven fouls to their 16. We had seven yellows to their one. Uh, those, those stats don't look great. We made way more than seven fouls. But it ju- it did feel like the ref was booking us for everything. And it felt like they would make a similar challenge that he wouldn't caution them for. Mm. Did you get that feeling too? I, I felt I, f- I felt the ref was just biased. It's just he wasn't he wasn't uh, it wasn't fair at all, you know, like totally unfair to our cause. I, I didn't I wasn't feeling mm. it at all. We're going to ruin the game at times. And we'll be fine for that as well. I think it's like between 50 and 20 grand for getting seven yellows. <sighs> A massive amount of money. Man. <laughs> yeah, it was um Tommy Tarmy was kind of um did I say that last week about Tommy Tarmy about the ref in the Pats game? Who was that? Was that Harvey? Was it? Re- uh, yeah, well, no, no, Hennessy. Hennessy. Harvey was Derry. Hen- or Tommy Tarmy made a great point that twice he, uh, if you just look at the, tra- the trajectory of the ball, it makes you just have to look at it and say, okay, that's a corner because there's no physical way that could not be a corner. Yeah. And both times he got it wrong. Like, he just <laughs> didn't understand physics. Uh, this is on top of the three penalties and the red card and all the other mad decisions. But this one, Tommy was saying, it's about balance. The balance was was all wrong between the yellows, us and them. And then, like, within the 60, 90 seconds, they equalised with, equalize with their next attack. That was the frustrating part. Wow. Couple of seconds later, equalised by Hong Hyun Suk. Um, great bit of work by their winger out left. Squares it in, and it's just a tap in, really, from uh, less than eighteen yards. So unfortunate, but what them's at a breaks, prof. And was, we were we were was sick because we were. Here? Did we just uh, I don't know. It was good. It was good work out wide, and we were in six and sevens. You could say it was it was poor defending, but it was good movement, good work from mm. their winger, and a good finish. So yeah. Um, we defended heroically after that. Um, I mentioned the Grace Lloyden challenge, uh, Pico Cleary as well, like putting bodies on the line for everything. Everyone was getting headed away, cleared away. Brilliant defending. Like we had to dig in, and it was like as we say, it was a well-earned point in the yeah, end. Really, really was. And like you say, probably one hundred sixty-six k in the bank, fifty-six thousand more for winning the league, thirty thousand a goal as well. We should mention like our our general attack and play was 
excellent at times on the night. Like Fruja, they could not handle Fruja. They did not know what to do with him. Apparently Kenny's watching his progress as well, which we did. I mean, I think it was two seasons ago now. I think I tipped him to be a superstar. I think he'll get there. I think he really does have the ability to be able to rip this league apart. It's all about getting into the mind frame. Rip the league apart. He's ripping a top quality Belgian side apart here. Yeah, yeah. But then um, he'll make some decisions. I think there was one in the Derry game where all he had to do was slide Gaffney in. And he put it like totally the wrong way. It's his decision making on the edge of the box that annoys me. It can so, be poor, can't sometimes it? Sometimes I'm just like, pull the trigger. I mean, for such a what big sexy for? doctor and all the brains he has in his head, <laughs> he'll fucking he'll do brain surgery, but he can't try to pass through to Gaffney. No, but it was very, very good, very positive attack in this way. And similar to... Pro- Actually, I'd say that first half was better than the Molde performance. I was, It was very impressive. Yeah, it was very, very impressive. Um, and it just shows you how good we can be at home. So it was kind of mixed feelings after his Dan McDonald put it very well. He said, a feeling, a mixed feelings of relief, frustration and pride. Because in the end, you're like, thank God. we. It felt like we got away with a point. Uh, we were hanging on for our lives the last 20 minutes. But then you're also thinking, could have won that game, actually. I know, yeah. Um, I interviewed Richard Tell afterwards for the first time this season, I think. Uh, missing half his moustache for some reason. <laughs> I can't say that to you. Yeah. Were you do you, know, did you ever see when Michael Moore or in, um, in Austin Powers where he's talking here on with the mole and it's all he can focus on? He's like... Mole, moly, moly, moly. I, I, I was looking at his mustache. I was like, I haven't heard a word he said because I'm just not wondering why he has half a mustache. I didn't know where to look because the hair is 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 glorious. The teeth, the, the nashers are shining. The mustache. I don't know what's going on there. It's just, there's a lot going on. This debate, um, a Richie Tell debate, broke out when we were having a few drinks about his his credentials of being handsome. <laughs> and uh, those rails. Um, Um, yes so um, they're fans they're fans they gave their team dogs abuse they weren't happy with them at all this is actually so funny to watch because their players like went over applauding thinking that would be grand but we've come away from Dublin we maybe could have won at the end there against 10 men but they were pissed yeah Pissed, absolutely like, disgusting. Like st- seven or eight of them were trying to charge the gate yeah. uh, to get at them. Yeah. So, Matt Yodell, friend of the show, just to put it into context, a Belgian team are sitting top of the Champions League group. That's a massive result tonight. Yeah, I agree. Totally agree. Yeah. Um, that Club Rouge team are running the muck in Europe. So, definitely, yeah. Totally agree with Matty. Well, well you spoke about the, their fans going mad there. Um, I think they're still fifth in the league, whereas the other two, uh, Ugarden, were kind of. Jocelyn for first there for a while they ended up losing the league but they're way off yeah they're way off um, Mould are still 15 points ahead so yeah. they've had a bad season in general haven't they Gent yeah no it's not It's not good you could understand their France frustration uh, 4 wins and 2 draws and 1 defeat in our home European games this season so ta- Fortress Talaman we've been brilliant we really have that's some record Mould are the only team to beat us all year in any competition um, my pred- I got my prediction right would you believe I said one all I said we'd score early and they'd equalise. So a few people who are listening to the podcast late. Do you know the way like you probably listen to the podcast and then you just forget about the predictions where if, if people only listen after the game yeah, and then they hear the predictions so a few people come to me and they were like oh well done I'm getting it right and I, I just said yeah well a stop clock and all that. Uh, <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> I get one right every few months. 
Uh, I got a picture with Stephen Kenny up in the stand, so that's my uh, claim to fame now. I have to say, so when we were when we were walking out, he was standing at the club shop. And someone walked by and goes, "What happened in Richmond, Kenny? Who locked you out?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's the one uh, speaking to Matty Dale? Remember the the video he has of himself, and he's it's like a three second video. He goes three, two, one, Kenny out. <laughs> uh, but he took it in good spirits. So. Um. So the other group game, Gar. Yeah, we had Hugh Gordon's came from two goals down to beat Molde three two in Norway. So they are on fire as well, and I think they just possibly lost the league. Yeah, one stage, um, Ghent were were gone out of the group because Molde were two up, and we were beating them one nil. So that stage, like Ghent needed to win the game to stay in Europe. Hacking are looking at winning it now at the moment. Mm. Um, we got Stick for a 6k crowd versus Ghent. Don't forget that these tickets were a little bit expensive as well. This is all a cash gate, prof. That's a cash gate. It's amazing. 6k. Cash gate mm. for Europa Conference League games. For a few quid as well. Oh, well people don't. People on Eritrea League banter or whatever the fuck it's called. <laughs> they don't know this stuff. Just well, to mention your, your garden as well. We're, we're the only team to take points off them in this group. Yeah. Only them, West Ham and Villarreal are unbeaten this season. And if you look at another group in the Europa Good League... Good company. Yeah. If you look at Group F in the Europa League, Lazio's group, they're Lazio are top. Uh, they've all played five games. The top two have a negative goal difference and the bottom two have a positive goal difference. So prof with the stats. Did you hear what I just said? Yeah. The top two have a negative goal difference. <laughs> the bottom two have a positive goal difference. How? How do you even? How do you even work that <laughs> out? Make sense of that. Make no, it make sense. I'm not gonna try. It's hurting me brain, prof. So on the crowds and the results, I suppose. Uh, Barney, gone. Uh, the bitterness at Rovers Conference League results is hilarious. Embarrassing the league in air quotes. He goes, oh, they're hurting. Yeah. I love yeah. this. I love hearing this. And having to go with the crowds, I mean, 6,000. Like, why? it's not anything to turn your nose up at. Like, For who, a midweek game, that's it's expensive following Rovers. Do you know what I mean? It's a midweek game. Who else is getting 6,000? Like, did Cork get six once this year? The rest of them are kind of averaging three. Yep. So. A deadly, really good crowds, and listen, don't listen, prof. There's a lot of noise. Oh, there's a lot of noise. Impressive. The group, the group. Um, yeah. So nine times we've had over seven k fans at home this season, including Derry, thirteen times over six k. Ah, oh, to the veins, prof. Amazing and attendances. Kudos to whoever picked out this article from 2016. Um, I don't know who did, but Dunster quoted it on Twitter and he just he wrote imagine if this Shamrock Rovers team captured the heart of the Irish public and they could have got crowds like this on the size of title deciding nights and he put a screenshot of a 42.e article from October 2016 when Cork and Dundalk were in action on the same night going head to head for the title in the last couple of weeks mm. and eight and a combined total of 864 people went through the turnstiles. Is that serious? Yep. I thought that was a misprint. Nope. 800. 
864. In a dual title race? Yep. That's nuts, man. Um, I was Someone was said to me, we were talking about attendances, and I was talking to someone in the stand, I think it was Keith, um, and he said to me, how are we going to fill that north stand? And I said, we said the same when the east stand got built, said the same when the north stand got built, how are we going to fill it? Just keep moving, keep progressing, keep winning. Keep getting involved in the community. There's a way to do these things. You 100% will get filled. I've no issue with that. It's funny, I had the opposite conversation with Deco. Yeah. And he was like, we're going to have thousands of disappointed people. We're going to be turning them all away. I know, it's brilliant, <laughs> isn't it? This new stand, it's got a little bit about it, you know? Um. Yes, Prof, we're going to move on to Derry. 1-0 on Sunday, our last home league game. So we finished unbeaten in Tala. Seven defenders on the pitch with Sean Cavanagh. Sean Hoare in centre midfield. And Hoare is brilliant. Sean Hoare and Hoare. What a player. He was brilliant in this game, wasn't he? Unbelievable. Such a good player. But the build-up to it, Prof, it was just party central, wasn't it? It's just a feel-good vibe. Everyone just wanted the game. I went for over 2.5 in this game. I just thought it was going to be goals galore. Mm, I never saw more than one now myself. Um, Jim Conroy came in to me and was like, Oh, you know that 42.e podcast? Uh, they, they were talking to me outside. And then I heard, Of course, <laughs> Media Horror Parsons <laughs> strikes again. Of course, he ended up on it. I, I, was, I was genuinely outside just chatting to Deco. And your man comes over, you know, oh, comes over to me and goes, Oh, all right, Google Books. I was like, Oh, no. <laughs> you can always say no to these things. I want. I just want to be the. I want to be the podcast guy. Come. Oh, there's Tesla Eastland guy. No, Gogglebox. Give me the Rovers affiliation. Sound bloke though, Snady. That's your man. Fucking Johnny Ward. Don't, always. Don't call him that. It's, it's, he's me mate. We were chatting away, and now we're mates. Literally nobody in the world has called him that. <laughs> Yeah, sound bloke, lovely, lovely fella, and he just nabbed us for a word or two. It was a nice article. It was a nice, positive piece. So, um, definitely, definitely, uh, can't say say no to. Larisha was it? She uh, bought her pom poms. Uh, Bose coloured pom poms. I know. Um, yeah. Have a word, Gary. Just the pom poms she was wearing as well. Just so you know. <laughs> um, the way you were going. Though. Yeah. So we, uh, yes, it was a, it was, a, it was a great build up. Like there's a bit of crack in the suite, and we just knew it was the feeling of accomplishment. Where you're just looking around and you're like, yes, it's done, it's dusted. We can enjoy this game without the dread, the feeling of pure dread, having to win the game. But um, yeah, the begrudgery prof, it's absolutely fantastic. Similar to the. Attendance, the comments is on uh, comments on our attendances from the Ghent game. Yeah, just lots of progrudgery about Rovers. Mm. Like, of course, for of course, we should be winning. We got the biggest budget. Blah blah blah. Uh, I don't get this budget debate. We talked about this. The budget debate is because we've actually come up with a good idea to bring our club forward and get outside investment and realize the Conference League was going to be a thing and realize there was big money. How how can you judge us on having a bu- a big budget? It's, that's surely what other clubs like. If you were telling me now you went over to Bowes and said, "Do you want the same budget as Rovers?" What would they say? Oh no, people's own club. We don't like money. We pay our players and fucking honey and spelt bread. Uh, look what happened at Lone and, and Galway. You offered them the few quid. 
they'll gladly accept it. Exactly, yeah. At long got bought up by some shell corporation that came in and fiddled a lot of games and fucked <laughs> off. Started signing 36-year-old Uruguayan centre When is the book? There has to be a book. Igor Labutz. But, um, plus there's always a, an, an easy response to this argument. And that is, last year, there's only one year ago, 2021, mm-hmm. Dundalk had the biggest budget in the history of this island and finished sixth. They blew it. They signed every journeyman possible. I don't see anybody writing about that. That was nuts. The fucking budget they had, man. Taj Bagumi. One lad got paid was on five grand a week. Oh, wow. Remember that fella they brought in? Remember the amount of randomers they brought in? That was nuts. Nuts. Um, yes, yeah, so Ray came up with a song for Derry. So they've been crying. What's what's to, to the tune of what uh, is it? What's another year by the the balls fella? What's another year? Oh yeah, they've been crying such a long time. Looking at the hoops, we're on the beer. What's another year? It's great all these drunken ideas for songs where they come from. Well, it's for Derry. He's uh, more than John, in my opinion. <laughs> um, Dublin Marathon was on Sunday before the game. Well, the Polly McGrath, Noel O'Brien, who ran it. Noel's first marathon. I think a few others, a few other hoops ran it. Jerry. Desmond I think ran it so congrats mm. to all the boys the big Desmond clan there going to the player of the year awards um, anyone else who are forgetting we're sorry about it Noel looked like a little orphan child wrapped up <laughs> in his blanket getting the sugars into him I don't know these lads are masochists man I like jogging and I like going out for the L5 or the 10k 26 miles they ran imagine running when you don't have to <laughs> I just don't. run for the bus just don't get it that's about it. Uh, Mick McCarthy met them halfway in Kilmainham as well. Prayer play to Mick. To cheer them on, is it? Yeah, with a with a sign. I thought you meant met them as in just started running. No, he met them halfway, um, fair play. Aldridge's display, pre-match. Unreal. The Plague Doctor. Yes. I love this. Now, I want to know about the flag that they had. It was like a blue, white and green with stars on it. Is that like a Tala emblem? Is it? And give us the backstory on the Plague Doctor. I did a bit of Googling about it, but why choose that? Why? I, was, I was hoping you'd have the answers there. I didn't I was looking at it and I was googling it I was like this is cool this is very cool but I want to know why I want to know why they picked the plague doctor because the plague doctor was like this mercenary fucking doctor back in the day that wore this scary mask and treated patients for money so I'm wondering you know what's this <laughs> about you know really impressive choreography they, they pull out all the stops for the last home like when when we win leagues they put out we knew this was coming we knew this was coming yeah Uh, the flare display as well on the 20th minute for 20 league titles uh, was was a visual feat as well Uh, I noticed in the south stand you've got all the offensive songs kind of out of the way in the space of 5 minutes like you just went through all of them and I was like right that's out of your system that's it out of the system Uh, junior hooped pre-match some of them were dressed up for Halloween uh, Pikachu was there for some, what is the pe- what's the thing reason. about Pikachu I was hoping he'd jump into the team photo do you see that Twitter account mascots for moments yeah, yeah 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 I was hoping <laughs> Pikachu would just be in the team photo I was outside I was actually talking me and Deco were talking to your man I looked up to the right and I was like is that Pikachu <laughs> yeah. like, what, is, what is that about I was just looking at it. yeah there's there's Pikachu yeah. for I don't know why um, the Halloween costume memes were brilliant though weren't they that then. that blew up on Twitter, like oh my the God. includes <laughs> some great stuff. There's some brilliant ones. Four there. Rovers fans. That's when it got really uh, entertaining. Yeah. Um, 
players came out with white shirts, two stars on them, mm-hmm. over the jerseys. Um, Excellent stuff, bro. So party atmosphere, party party atmosphere. Junior hoops, big shout out to them for all their hard work all season. Um, favorite other other favorite Rovers person, probably top of the list is Siobhan Keane. That woman is mental. I've noticed. She's mental. She is a mad woman. <laughs> oh, man. I mean that in the nicest way. She is the crack. She I swear is to God. Brilliant. Um, she's come to the show, to the award show, but she said she's going to have a quiet one. I said, that's not going to happen. That's not in her nature. It's a Tifty show. There's beer there. You're going to tell me you're going to sit there in the corner and be quiet? Sometimes I just, I'm watching the junior hoops get ready now. And I just, I know Siobhan. And she's just like a bundle of energy all yes. the time. Yes, I reckon there's something behind yeah. it. I'm, I'm on to you, Siobhan. But yeah. now, big shout out to Bill and Paul and all the junior hoops who have pretty much gotten Maya hooked on it. All the other kids, I'd, I'd text Bill the odd time, said, can you add this person to the WhatsApp group? Then add them in. The lads, fell in work, Ed came in to me, he goes, thanks for that. I says, what? He says, oh, the junior hoops really looked after. After the kids, they had a ball, they want to go back. I says, there you go. Once again, they're working miracles down there. And uh, I have to say, I was watching Bill do the, what bringing the kids over for the dirty game, the stress of it all, between handing out sweets, flags, keeping <laughs> them all in line, making sure they don't run onto the pitch. I don't know how he did it. I saw Siobhan wrangling Maya at one stage. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where she was going, and she just pushed her towards you up the gate. Yeah. Oh, man. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. Fair play to them. And they are actively growing the fan base, so big shout out to um, the lads. So the game itself. Yes, um, the game itself. We had chances. Early chances. Um, McGonagall possibly had the first good chance of the game. Never a corner either as well. No um, flicking at all. No, that was actually a terrible decision. I, terrible I had decision. the perfect view of that. I was like behind it. Tiny bobble on it maybe. That and I was like, man, just didn't touch that. Yeah, no, was that it was corner? terrible. I like him. He's a bit mm. of a player. He's a bit of a player. And mm. he could be a thorn in our side for a couple of years. But That was probably their best chance of the game. Um, did I hear somewhere they, saying that they dominated the first half I thought they were quite toothless yeah. in attack I never never felt like they were going to score I will say I do love watching McElhaney. Yeah, he is a lovely lovely player a very nice player I think he'd fit in seamlessly into this team he's very very I think he forced a good save at Manus at one stage yeah he? he's the, a very very good player in the sales stand. Um we had a couple of chances I think Gaffney had a header maybe a half chance Probably our best one was the Grace header. We had just that was um, a good save. We had just kind of a corner broke up and then Lions crossed it back in. Good save by Mar. And I think this hit home. It really hit home because like Lions is going to be a loss. He'll be hard to replace. Did you yeah. see him for this goal? Oh, this is M- magical stuff on his. You could say weaker side on the left because he. He's attacking the player with his left foot, which is technically not the, on paper. It's his weaker foot, but he. I, what I loved about this goal was, I've seen like Ferrugia, like I've praised Ferrugia for his Ghent performance, and he would, they couldn't handle him. But it just felt like Lions had no right to beat the last two men. Absolutely no right whatsoever. And then he's on the touchline, and he looks very hard for himself, and he still does the perfect pullback. Unbelievable pullback, unbelievable. And then Gaff takes a block, and then just buries it. Brilliant stuff from uh, the Tomb Tornado. Yeah. Um, yeah, McElhaney blocked the first attempt from uh, from Gaff. He eventually, eventually poked it in. Um, 
So as I mentioned, that he's his fifth European goal on Thursday, and that's in career, and fifty in all competitions this season. All for so, us, yeah. All, all five goals. Were all for us, yeah. He, no, he never played in Europe until this year, Limerick or until um, he wouldn't have played with Limerick until yeah. us last year. So he's equal Danny Mandroy, who's fifteen from last season. So top is that a total? But what's his assists as well, though? I'd love to know when's the last time. Here's the show. Now I could be wrong. I could. It might be Danny. Might be near it. Uh, assists and goals in double figures that's becoming quite a common stat now isn't it you almost see it on Twitter all the time so and so has 10 goals and 10 assists it's almost goal involvements is yeah, the yeah, bigger oh, thing oh, I don't know, I don't we, know. we may end up having to apologise to Maloney here <laughs> goal involvement going to become a big stat is a goal involvement the, the pass before the assist which I'll totally take on and hands up no there. no goal involvement just goals and assists so goals and assists, like if it's if you've double figures on both, that's a really fucking good season. Well, Lions very nearly did. He has nine and nine. Nine and nine. How good of a season is that for a fullback? Unbelievable. That's brilliant. Um, just after the goal, Tell had a, a really good shot. He tried to bend in the top corner. This was deadly. This was the Tell of old. This was twenty sixteen Tell. I'm looking at it like yes. Power, swerve, everything. Great save as well. I think the keeper was unnaturally off his line and in a possible bad position but it worked in his favour because he he got to that shot before it rose and got any more of kind of venom on it if he had been on his goal line that's going top corner I don't think he's getting it but because he was a little bit further out off his line he actually was able to, to get more purchase on it from him do you know what Tell's very lucky not to have more goals this season I feel like remember the dark away game remember he was fired up for that one he could have had a hat trick and it's not like he's missing you know, one blatant one on ones. He just feel, I feel like he's had a lot of shots where the keeper has done really well to save them. Yeah, and he could have, he could have three or four more goals this year. Um, second half, not much to report on chances. I would say. No, it was. Um, do you know what? I think there was a couple of instances where we were just actually really good and p- played some lovely football. Uh, Dan Cleary, Dan Cleary has. I think we spoke about this on the previous show about who has made such an impact. That maybe maybe didn't speak about, it, but I was asking you about who has made such an impact since they've came in. Hmm. Uh, no, as I'm a, talking as about specifically sign. like impact that season alone. Yeah, that season alone. Yeah. And I was saying, what's in 2018? We were obviously Manus comes in right, and he steadies the back three five. Yeah, and if he doesn't come in, then yeah, obviously we don't keep those clean sheets. It's all for nothing. Yeah, obviously that. But in terms of goals and winning games, Watts near single-handedly won us most of those games yeah. at the end of that season. He was unbelievable. Grace 2017 was another good shout as well. Um, but like he's he's been such a good sign in Dan Cleary. I am buzzing to, for this spine to start gelling again. I mean, I love how he ends up at random places on the pitch. Like one stage in this game, he was on the right wing and he whips in the cross. Look at him going, this fella. Yeah, there, it was a floaty. Yeah. It was a floaty, yeah, wasn't yeah. it? So, um, um, so, but like, not not much to report in chances, but having said that, quite a good game, this. Like, yeah. it wasn't your typical end of season fair. Felt like both teams kind of had their motivations, you know. We wanted to finish unbeaten. They may have wanted to prove a point to us. They which, wanted to land the glove on us, yeah, that's yeah, what it was. Which yeah. they didn't. Um, Like, compared to their performance in Tala in what was it April was it or early in the season they played us off the park at times in that yeah, game yeah. they were excellent Jesus they were brilliant yeah yeah 
Um, it, was, it was nowhere near that, but um, so full time, and then the coronation could be scoreboard, prof. The scoreboard. Um, three announcements to stay off the pitch. So I want to ask you your prediction, right? Before, let's say the last four or five minutes of the match, and Dan Cleary saying it again and again, please, we want to enjoy the celebration safely. What was your prediction? Pitch invasion or not? No. I was I was confident. No, no invasion. Hundred percent confident. There was no invasion. Now having big, bad, naughty securos surrounding the whole pitch did help. But I just thought the whole thing with Josh was it was going to be a respectful mm. moment. Do you know what I mean? Let him do yeah. it. Yeah. Now when it was when it was uh, when the club made a statement a few days beforehand, I just dismissed it. I said, Ah, look, somebody's some somebody's just going to run on and ruin it. But then when it got closer and closer. Mm. And everybody knew about the Josh thing. I just felt like, nah, people are going to be respectful. But also, another thing as well is that it's not as if we won it on the day. It's in the bag. Yeah. If we had to beat Derry, um, we had to win it on the night. But we invaded the pitch. The pitch was going to be invaded. But we did it in Rota last year against Rota. Do you yeah, know? We had it in the bag. Yeah. People ran on. Maybe so. It felt like even... <laughs> even though people were respectful, it always felt like it was on a knife edge. All I needed was three or four kids to get on yeah, oh yeah and to, then you see them four kids and you're like oh well everyone's running on I have so. to threaten my kids with being grounded <laughs> and honestly so Moy you go on that pitch you're grounded and she's like yeah right I, go, I swear to god if you go on that pitch you are grounded I said, this, is a, this isn't a joke whatsoever sulking <laughs> but I want to hug Pico yeah again. That's, that's all it was that's yeah. all it was I is fixated on him uh, Dan Cleary does the PA he showed me a tweet after the night and he said, look at this. And someone tweeted saying, I'm nearly convinced that the reason we ran on last year against Drogheda is because your man announced over the PA to stay in the stands. That put it in people's heads. No, I, it's sometimes people can be fucking a little bit... That is bit the re- stupidest <laughs> thing I have ever... I despair for humanity it's sometimes. It's not stupid. It's just some people can be a, bit, a little bit rebellious. So no one thought about invading the pitch. Until he announced that. No, but it kind of spurred them on. They're like, what? What do you mean, stay off? <laughs> what are you fucking going on? You know what I mean? Oh, I'm not being told what to do. You know there's people like that. You know who I'm talking about. Um, Rovers Champs, 20 on the scoreboard, 20 on the banner above the tunnel, Prof. Um, where's the 19? Where's that gone? The skip. Definitely Mark Lynch's back garden. <laughs> Definitely. It's up. He's no room in that. I've been, no. in that. I've been in that man cave. He doesn't have a room for even one more pent. Uh, and then a lovely, lovely moment with uh, young Josh lifting the trophy, and it was such a beautiful moment. But it started off with Pete and Finn are holding his hand coming out of the tunnel, and he looked so excited. And then everyone got their medals, and then Finner, I love this Finner kneeled down. And probably the only trophy celebration in history where a player had to kneel down and lift it. Yeah. But just to be height level with Josh. Honestly, that was one of yeah. those moments that you just remember forever. Think about if it. If you didn't have a tear in your eye at that moment, uh, you're not human. No, it's just one of those things. It was absolutely brilliant. And then you had Glenn Cronin. Glenn Cronin getting involved. Did you see these photos? I saw the video. Him right yeah. in the mix with the ultras. Apparently Davey didn't know he was beside him and then he looked around Some someone was grabbing him he's like who's, who's grabbing me fucking annoying me and I was like what Cronin like, in the mix Cronin in the you know, mix he actually started a chant he started the, the one Stephen Bradley or maybe it was one Josh Bradley unbelievable honestly it's just 
If you watch the video back, he actually starts it and everyone joins in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't, you have to, don't you? Um, Shane Keegan, who's not obviously not a Rowers fan, I thought it was. I thought this was nice to read. Like standing in Tada, struggling to hold back tears at a Shamrock Rovers League title celebration, was not an issue I ever envisaged having myself. I know, having. yeah, that wasn't on the bingo yeah. board. Josh did the. The Bradley salute the three. Hey. Ah, that was brilliant. He kept getting pushed back for more yeah, as well. Pigo kept pushing him and saying, well, one more, one more. Um, there was an awkward moment with Tete and Lettuce. They didn't get medals, if you notice that. They were- I, wa- I, wa- I saw Tete walk without being announced. They were both they were the last two. With his head down. And he was announced. And then someone whispered to him, said, no, go around. And then the staff got medals. But it's all at the club's discretion. You know what I mean? Like the club can get the medals. Is it because you? It's because you don't have to play a certain amount, isn't it? That's that's an old. But what rule. if like the kit man gets a medal, and someone who's been on the playing squad? But Lettuce didn't play again. Tita played though. That's he came, a, out, he came that's off a, the bench once. That's a weird one, man. I'm not even gonna go down that road. You know the way Gannon, like you're probably aware of this, like he's been a part of nine league winning squads. Yeah. Uh, so he's he's won more leagues than Pats. Um, <laughs> the other way, like he doesn't count the 2011 one because he only played one game. So I was talking to him after, and he's like, "It's like yeah, to give me a medal, I'll take it." I was like, "Put put a word in, Prof, would you?" Yeah. Um, but yeah, but just a, an all round brilliant occasion and soaking it in. It was great, and then all just the, the families. It was a nice way to celebrate. You know, we don't have to be on the pitch. You don't have it doesn't, it, it's it doesn't have to be like that. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be chaos. Like it was nice to just be in the stands, and all the players' families came on, and there was kids running around. The ball boys got a bit overzealous, and they all ran. Ball boys and girls, they all ran over, and then they, they got kicked off. Connor O'Sullivan was doing yeah. the kicking. Yeah, um, the fans chanted one more year, big Al. He, he uh, didn't react to it. I'm looking at him as if to say, you know, give it the okay, okay. He didn't react, not one bit. It's cute little kids. He's only around. ever reacted once, though, isn't it? That was at Bowes. Oh. And we were, we're all still shocked at that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but just a perfect day. Like, the game, winning the game and nobody got on the pitch. Uh, it went perfectly. Um, Brad's like, when I interviewed him afterwards, he said it straight away in the interview. It was like, I just want to thank everybody. They were unbelievable the way they, they acted. And gave him and his and his son that moment. Uh, he said he was brought to tears by it. Um, Overall, he, just a brilliant, brilliant occasion for everybody, and one that everybody will remember for the rest of their lives. Realistically, so absolutely excellent stuff. It was great in the car park afterwards. The dirty bus. Oh God, they left at the same time as us. They got dogs abuse. It was unbelievable. <laughs> Coleslaw jaws was one show. <laughs> Is that from you, is it? No, certainly not. <laughs> uh, brilliant stuff, though, yeah. They got dogs abuse. And someone was saying, oh, no, they'll use it as motivation. I, I doubt three or four drunken fans shouting at the dirty bus is going to give them motivation. Lads, come on. I can just see Higgins, like, bringing that up, like, next September. Mm. And you know what? Like, we were we were in the car park last October and four drunken we're idiots we're shouted at us. Car park and I said to the players... You remember this moment. Remember this moment when I got the car park. That got us a win over the dark tonight. Tosh Stadium. Yes, Prof interviewed Manus afterwards. He left the guitar at home. He did. I was disappointed with that now. Mm. Um, 
98 clean sheets in the league for Rovers. He has broken Barry Murphy's record. Whoa. And he's won off Alan O'Neill's all-time record. So he's two more games to do it. At least equal it. Um, I think I said... I think, I think I said on last week's show, didn't I? Five, five league winners medals. He mm. equaled Eccles, 10, including Linfield, Gannon, 8, 9, depending on what, what, who, who you ask. But, um, like, a lot of decorated players oh, yeah. on that team. Like, most of them, it's the same squad, essentially, from 2020, except, like, you know, Jack went away for a year, Joey retired. It's remarkable the co- the whole car. We were looking at the transfers coming in. It was only Jack and Lions at Christmas as well, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, league record attendance seven thousand seven hundred. Oh, seven seven. Um, as we, as we said, unbeaten at home all year. I only dropped points twice. Like uh, saying unbeaten, that doesn't do it justice. You know what I mean? Like when you say we went unbeaten, that makes it sound like we got a few nil nils here and there. You we drop dropped po- points. points. In two Drada. games, Drada Sligo and Drogheda. Dr- Sligo yeah. That is unbelievable. Brilliant. Our home, for, we really have turned it into a fortress. Think in about that. Every sense of the we word. We beat Derry twice. We beat Dundalk twice. We beat Pats twice. We beat Bowes twice. <laughs> Prof, when you say it like that, they're deserved champions. Like we really are. Um, so the four in a row now is the goal. Like Brazier doesn't shy away from it. Like every time he's asked, he he says that's the goal. We're on the cusp of a four in a row. Like think about that. Mad madness. Like when I started going the far in a row was like maybe the cusp is a wrong word, but we're we're on yeah. track. The far in a row was always this distant thing, this iconic phrase from decades ago. And then like you start going on the away buses and you sing about going down Milltown Road. It still feels like a it's part of folklore. It's like, well you're not gonna ever win like far in a row again. And that's it, that's a thing in the past. And there we are living it. So what's the song going to go? We won four in a row. Twice. <laughs> well, fans were split yeah. between the Miles and the Abbo Prop and the Four Provs, which we got reports was on fire and had collapsed and went into a sinkhole. <laughs> you just said that to me. It was like, uh, the Prop is on fire. Yeah. <laughs> Someone just texted me, it's on fire. Yeah, it's on fire. But uh, they're still serving points. Yeah, the Maljan, that was a very sort of... Uh, Invite only prawn sandwiches, blue wristband wankers. Like, Tifties wouldn't be caught dead in a place like that. But, yeah, uh, no. so anyway, we're in the Melbourne. Yeah. And, um, good crack. But I just want to say thanks to the pros for, for, for doing what they do for us because, I mean, people give me a lot of stick over the pros and hipster bars and stuff like that. There's no other pub, and I've tried, I've gone around, I've done the canvas in around Dumb 12 and 24. No other pub welcomes us the way they do and wants out to do with us the way they do. They made a beer for us. <laughs> they actually went to the process where we sat down and we discussed what flavour we want the beer to taste like. What's going to be on it? It's going to be Green Ribbon in, in tr- traditional Shamrock Rovers covers. And they let us use, they called the room upstairs the Rovers room. And they say to us, have it whenever you want. We'll give you the staff, and you can do DJs, you can have whatever you want. That's fucking unheard of. Think about it. No one does that. No one does it. Fergal is a fucking top, top fella. We big, big plans for next season as well. We're going to move on and march on and get bigger and better, but big shout out to the four provinces. And forget about this myth that it's far away from Tada. I remember Barney like, summed it up perfectly. Barney drove over and he was like, I was got here in 20 minutes. Yeah, 12 minutes away, I think he said, yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, the Maldron, uh, packed with uh, players, families, partners, some nice looking humans in that room. Yeah, there was a good looking room. So I'll so we'll put it. Um, Were you involved in the debate, the Richie Tell handsome debate? You brought this up a moment ago. No, yeah. I wasn't part of it. You didn't. What, what's your What's your take here? Is he oh no, yes, individual? I heard someone say it. No, but I didn't. Uh, oh, you think he, he strikes it? Yeah, I think he does. He's a handsome man. The bear, like we said, you need good company like John Cody because 30, 40 minutes. Now, I was, my right, sister right on was, on the, was on the bar. So like, my wife's sister was pulling points and she was stressed. Worked beyond belief. The, the, I, honestly, yeah. think about it. Sometimes I looked at their faces and was like, I was not expecting this. Yes, the, they, were, they pulled points for eight hours straight. That's it. There were no more points. Yeah. Um, um, Greener... Was uh, he gave the impression like he was saying his goodbyes? Did you get that impression as well? Southstand, his little uh, farewell yeah. to Southstand. Steam seemed like that. I seemed like that with Manus as well, but we could be, we might be reading the room wrong. Oh yes, Gary. Manus is considering his future. Wink, wink. Yes. <laughs> um, well, according to Dan McDonald, the three players out of contract: McCann, Manus, and Green. Um, at one stage, I think it was like one in the morning. And Dylan Watts, who like I have some players who I've spoken to a lot, and so others I haven't really spoken to much. So like I wouldn't have spoken to Watts much. For some reason, he called me over, and the trophy was at a pitter, and he just he was I wouldn't say he was slurring his words, but he was he was had a few. And he was like, he was like, look at the trophy. I was like, it's broke. So then I I I gently sort of separated. I was like, yeah, that's broke. Oh fuck! And uh, it arrived in the points on Monday in two pieces. Jeez. Um, tweet of the night though, from Derek Keddy. And when I say tweet of the night, I kind of mean the response. Derek goes, "What a night up there with the best I've had supporting this great club. It's thirty-three years now since my dad brought me to Rovers for the first time, and we're still hooping together. I think those wilderness years of struggle." Makes these nights all the more special. Our oh, club. Yes. And then there's one reply by another Derek. Derek Fields. And he just says simply, Derek, I'm piss. <laughs> the famous Fields from the Liberties. <laughs> Not even pissed past tense. Or a family. I'm or a piss. family. I don't think Derek's got the hang of technology because every so often on Instagram, it's just a picture of him with his thumbs up going, <laughs> sending us private ones. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant hoops. Um, like you were saying, you were soaking it in at one stage. Um, just sat back and looked around. That moment happened and me and you were just sitting there. I think we ended up embracing each other. People were like, uh, could, you, could you stop that? Hotel rooms here if you need if you need to do that. <laughs> but it was just it was just amazing. It's just amazing. Brandon's daughter, Faith, who uh, we had on the show, the ball girl, She uh, he was saying that this is all she knows now. All she knows is us winning leagues and cups. That's what I'm thinking. I hope we don't spoil them. I know it's great and all, but will will they just fuck off if we end up in the relegation playoff? She's in for a shock one day because this won't last forever. I know, yeah. And there will be and there will be a crawly and offending phase. Ah, oh, pro- why are you ruining it? I'm not saying they'll be soon. You're ruining it. I'm just saying one day it could be ten years time. It could be twenty years time. Football is cyclical. It happens. God, I think about these things. I think about them. But when you look at our academy and people are telling you, oh yeah, our under nines, well, they've come in from the nines 
to well, yeah we we are we are building well for the future that's the only thing yeah. that was the future in mind you know what I mean the so, platform is there for us to never like be miles out of contention for a title exactly, race exactly yeah yeah we've given ourselves that little bit of a mm. leg up anyway and we also have put a philosophy in place that whoever follows Bradzer may not <laughs> he may not win as many trophies as Bradzer oh. but there will be expectations on him to play a certain way like will these fans these 7000 fans accept eye bleeding football ever again <laughs> oh, will they though no no I don't think they will I can't imagine uh, a Route 1 manager doing too well at Rovers and finally uh, John Byrne kind of on a similar note to to Derek there mm. talking about the wilderness years he goes we've seen some amazing days and nights but it's those terrible times we endured <laughs> that make the good times truly great oh superb John the telly man I think it, ma- it does make it better like I like I mentioned the Crotty and Fendon years I like that I had years of crap before this terrible time it makes me appreciate it much more 100% yeah I definitely agree um, Prop Monday in the points how did you get on I was out trick or treating and um, scaring children because my wife is obsessed with Halloween and she decked out the whole house with all sorts of madness so at one stage we I was up this is a week or two ago I was wrapping fishing wire around a tree up to my window so it created a type of zip line that you couldn't see and there was like this body hanging out of it and whenever you'd walk by it it would move so we'd have the bell the doorbell and it would catch everybody getting a fright and Lara thought it was the funniest thing ever <laughs> and we had the smoke machine right so when anybody walked up Lara would be in the just in the window she'd press the oh the theme song so the theme song would come on and the smoke would go one of the best theme songs ever by the way unbelievable right and the crack we were having doing it I actually think one kid wet himself <laughs> because I had a mask on. I shouldn't laugh. So I will. The the music comes on. The smoke comes out. I open the door slowly, right? Slowly, really slow. And all you can hear is <laughs> right because the kids are shitting themselves. And then Lara jumps. So I'm opening the door, but she jumps out of, out of the other room, going bah! I swear to God, they ran. They ran for their lives. Didn't even take any sweets. And I'm nearly sure the boy wet himself. So I was, I was like, I'm sorry, sorry about Halloween. You know what I mean? What's about? <laughs> it was one of the funniest things ever. Yeah, but that's it. Well, you you spent that in the you spent Halloween in the in Pines, the, in the Pines Halloween night. No. You are determined to spend the day here. <sighs> I was. I gave up my bank holiday, um, but like I didn't, I didn't leave the the party Sunday night till two a.m. and I couldn't get out of bed till eleven. Thoughts on the baby Guinness? So. Yeah, I had a shot of Baby Guinness. Nice. Yeah, it's easy. It's uh, an easy one, isn't it? It was me, Maloney, Paul McGrath. A uh, few of us had, had the, the Baby Guinness. Um, McCarthy's stories. So he's great for the stories. They weren't spooky, 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 spooky. There's no Halloween stories. He was just telling some stuff with him and Bono, like sitting in a room with famous singers of... Like at one stage, you were sitting in a room with Bono and a, a lead singer of two other well-known bands. And McCarthy doesn't know who they are, and then he he's ringing the, he rings the young fella down. He's like, "Do you have you ever heard the Cardigans?" <laughs> no yeah. way. And he's like, "Yes, that they're one of the biggest bands in the world right now." I was like, "Who are they?" But, Cardigans, uh, and they made of cotton. <laughs> Paul McGrath has a Kip scale gear. You'll be interested <laughs> <What>? now. <laughs> What's oh man? I missed this. He considers the Pines to be a nice Kip. 
Everywhere is a kip, he says. <laughs> but there's levels of kip. I, I, I know he lashes it on sometimes, but secretly he's an old grump, isn't he? I love, it cracks me up. Some kip. Be fucking in, like, a palace. It's called some kip. Yeah. Like, I think we were... <laughs> It was the Green Ribbon lunch, right? Everybody's having the crack, drinking Green Ribbon, singing up and dancing. Paul comes out and he goes, Fuck, some kid gag. <laughs> his remember, timing is perfect. I remember that. I looked over. He had his first point of Green Ribbon. I think he tried one, did he? I just he, looked over him. He's holding. He's kind of looking around, looking kind of content. But then he just goes, some kid. I think he goes, that's rotten. <laughs> um, like I said, the, tro- the trophy arrived in two pieces. He needed a sign in front of him. Someone had to write on a beer mat and say, do not lift trophy. Oh, God. Now this, we'll, we'll, I don't know. We don't know how it happened. But, um, yeah, now the highlight of the night was, like most things, remember, remember when we won the cup? Were any of the football department or the players there? No, no one came down, actually. Fans I suppose they're, they're after Sweden in the morning, aren't they? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, remember when we won the cup? Who was the last person we spent it with? Do you remember? God, oh. in the turn you're in, it was me, you, the Reach, and who? Dan Fulham. No, it was your man from Cork. Oh, David Murphy, the Dahi, cup. Sorry, Paul, yeah. Dahi O'Marahu, a madman. So a he, madman. so he uh, arrives in. Uh, first thing he tells us his story from Ghent. He's like he a mad journey. I was like, oh, I went from here. The Cork Airport, and I flew in here to Amsterdam, and then I flew in here to Belgium, and I got trained from here to here. And he said, by the time the match kicked off, he fell asleep. Oh, he was absolutely bollocks, and he said he woke up every time a goal was scored. Oh, a few times, And yeah. he says, no, I think from now on I'm going to go the day before the game. What, I, what's the point if you can't stay awake during the game? But like he comes in telling the story, and then like two minutes later, he just grabs the trophy. In the worst possible place. At the base. And the whole bar. Gasped. Collectively. <gasps> and he was just like. No. <laughs> and we all. Two people like. Leapt in slow motion. To stop him. <laughs> and we told him. Yeah. Um, yeah. At one stage. Shit trophy anyway. We need no one. Oh yeah. At one stage. He. Um, I think he says from Castletown Beer. Do you remember when. Oh isn't that West Cork. Do you remember we were in Turner's Cross? I think that's nice. I've, I've told a story to a few people. We were at Cork away match and we're all in, in, the, in the pub. It's one of those outdoor restaurant type bars. And then a bus pulls up in the middle of the street. And it goes, oh, how's it going? Up the hoops. Told, we were in some mad random kip, yeah. as Paul McGraw would say. And he, yeah, I think, but I think he pulled up in like a, a Cork bus. Yeah. And he's like, just wave the baloney. Yeah, um, what else we got? 45 home yes. league games. 45 home league games in the three in a row, one defeat, prof. Wow. That sums it up. Seriously. That's astonishing. Sum that, that's fucking summed up, man. So, the, like we said, the four in a row is now the target, prof. Yeah, we didn't give um, Waterford their jewels last week. They also did three in a row in the 60s. Remember, uh, they couldn't win a cup and we couldn't win a league in yeah. the 60s. Um, but next, Prof, the three players, this, I don't like this because I'll be honest, I didn't notice three players that were a contract according to Dan McDonald are Alan, McCann, Alan Manis, Chris McCann and Aaron Green and all three of those looked like they were saying goodbyes. Mm-hmm. 
including Manus. Wink, wink. Wink, wink. Um, but the signings next year, uh, to state the obvious, are crucial. Huge. Like I said, the biggest off-season. I think it, in, there was a lot of big ones as regards to restructuring the team. Finn coming in, that was a big one. Um, this one, to, to go for the four in a row, it's an agent squad slightly with some really, really key players getting all the possibly leaving. This is a huge window. Well, we're hearing that we're going to sign Whelan. Whelan, we're hearing. We're hearing. Talbot, we're hearing. We've, we've heard about Bert for We've heard about months. Bert Coot Talbot. Bert is the worst kept seeker, I think. Yeah. It'd be interesting. I think possibly we could be going for, I think it was Brad's first ever transfer window. Dan Devine, Connolly, Corey. I'm, I'm shuddering here. I'm hoping for another. No, not not another one like that. But something. I think we're going to announce them all at once. The landscape has changed so much, though. Like it, there was a great article with Brazier in the Mirror. There, did you, did you read that one? Yep. Uh, he's talking about crazy transfer target demands and. I was going to raise this issue now. I'll let you finish, but I I think. Yeah, they they were talking about these players. Maybe because we've qualified for the group stages, and they think, okay, this this club has money. That's what it is. And they want they want three grand a week. They want a house in in the Dublin city centre. They want they're asking for mad stuff. That's the thing, though, Prof. Here, here's the thing, right? We're a big boy club now. We're doing we're doing bits. Do ultimately, I think that if you do push through the threshold of what we have, it will create more problems. But to get to the next level to bring in better players possibly you might have to just increase the wage budget but when you do that for example let's say here's a pure fictitious example let's say clearly is on a certain amount we bring in a midfielder on a quarter extra of what he's on what if he gets in in the year of the club and says well I want more now like it all has knock on effects if you mm. increase the wage budget for one guy coming in you blow your transfer budget out of the water you bring him in he's on big money all the other players are going to know that does that create discontent in the dressing room there's more money more problems and if you break the bank for someone you're kind of you're going into the unknown it's not like you're signing a proven player if he's proven he's not going to be coming to the League of Ireland yeah we're going to be getting an unknown. That's a good like, point. Like Oki or Tomer, who are yeah. not proven. That's a good point. So I think to actually go through that threshold and start breaking barriers and so like that is possibly not a good idea because we know our limits. We have we have um, a structure here that we have to stay within. Possibly, I don't think breaking transfer market <coughs> fucking limits is is possibly in our future. But Brazier specifically mentioned Scandinavia. And that's nuts. Is is Tomer the the only time he's gone to Scandinavia? Have we signed another player from that region? It's interesting though. We've had one or two on trial from different countries. It's a big place. It's um, interesting. Feels like every time we have a striker on trial in preseason. What was what was your man with the great name that Hercules? Oh yeah. At the start of the season, the him and um, he was English. But every time we get a striker on trial, I'm like, he won't sign. They never sign. I found one of my favourite names at the minute. Crescencio Somerville. Oh. He scored a winner against Liverpool for Leeds the other night. That's quite a name. So that's the cool that's the coolest so, name. So yeah, no, but it's it was a good it was a great insight that article because you read during the season, you read fans online and they're like, 
we need we need three players we need to sign why aren't we signing people it's not as straightforward as that you know there's a lot of lot goes into it a lot, there's of, a lot of factors and like I said the landscape has it's not like under Michael Neal like Michael Neal just first of all who else would have known about Gary Twig and Craig Sivis no, nobody else would have known about them yeah very much that so, was yeah. Gary on, or that was Michael Neal specific signings he had a few failures as well. Mm. But then he goes out and signs the best players from Galway. Got Ken Man from Bowes. I think it's 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 also a case of being able to... Ident- we really should be able to hoover up all of the best talent in the league. It should be a case of that. Because we do have the budget. We unless like, But like you said, Prof, they're looking mm. at us now in the Europa group stages and they see us with money. <clears throat> they're just going to ask for mad money now. But ultimately, I think if you want to progress, I think Rovers had a place to go, realistically. Look at what's going on. And that's just calling a spade a spade. We've, we've hammered the club when we felt like we were terrible. We've hammered the club when we were shy. Mm. We're in a good place now. And realistically, if you want to go abroad or you want to progress your career and you're one of the best players in the league, Rovers is a natural step. It's just mm. the way it is. We call, we're calling a spade a spade. Um, um, James McLean supposedly signed for Derry. Do you know what? That doesn't bother me at all. Does that improve man. them at all? Doesn't bother me in the slightest. One player. That's it. Doesn't bother me in the slightest. Other results, Prof. Don't talk. See the top three place at the expense of Pats. A better achievement than winning the cup with St. Pats last season, apparently, according to SOD. Stephen O'Donnell, that's that's a kick. That's a low blow, isn't it? It's a bit of a mad statement. It's a mad statement. You start talking about letting their players go again, the contract's running out, he's a madman. I said, just focus on your own team. It was that was a pointless interview in my and that seemed like a rookie move in my opinion though. Who remembers finishing third when they end their career and they look back? It's obviously a low blow, like but I felt I felt it was silly of You remember say. trophies. Um funny enough Dundalk can still mathematically finish second. How tainted if is they that? if they win by three goals to Brandywell they finish second. Really? Yeah. How tainted is that trophy? That past trophy? Yeah, it's tainted. They can say what they want, but there's a there's a negative aura around that cup win. It's because it happens. It was 24 hours after. Literally, they like, lifted the cup. The O'Donnell thing went public and nuts. No, it, it definitely strange. is tainted. They'll celebrate that the thing about Forrester hearing about it and then shouting in his face and I then know, storming yeah. out like that. Actually, all ha- that wasn't just rumor. That that happened. Um. So Pats now need Derry to win the cup to get into Europe. So it would be kind of funny if Shells got into Europe ahead of Pats. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I gave a few weeks ago. I gave Shells no chance in this cup final. I'm something. Now, now I'm thinking now, yeah. this could be close. Boydie and Lukey getting stuck in there. Um, Finn Harris relegated after three one defeat at home to UCD. Jesus man, I think is that is that all he done? I didn't fan. I never fancied him to stay up. I did. I thought they'd do it. I really no, did. No, I just think. I didn't think Oddie had any more Ramos left in the hat. Remember, just remember that video came out where he was ranting and raving. You're getting relegated! Now, maybe he does that every week and just that one hasn't been recorded, but uh, I just felt after that, ah, these are going down. Yeah, no, it didn't happen for them. Other, what have we got? Finn Harps, yeah, so they're gone, unfortunately. That's a trip. One trip up, to, so Finn Harps gone, Cork back, mm. and we might get another good one. Yeah, Give water for the Galway could be yeah. could beat them in playoff. Give me Galway, um, yeah. Give us another good proper way trip since Please. we have our buses back. Yes, uh, women's under seventeens. Pmel won the league playoff final with a four win over overs at PLR, PRL Parks. Unlucky for the ladies. 
And the men's 14s cup quarterfinal at Lona. Forward win for the hoops. Brody Lee and two goodness Ogbonna and Kean Kenna with the goals. So good stuff from the 14s. Brian Laws beyond under the cosh, yet another former LOA manager. I don't think the he didn't he wasn't here for that long. I don't think he'll cover much. Probably it might come might even come up. I don't think it'll come up. And Philip O'Connor, our old pal and Swedish correspondent. A bonus episode of Irish and Sweden podcast with Kevin Walker and uh Zach Elbuzetti. So uh, there you go. Seventeen thousand tickets sold for Sweden as well, Prof. Yeah, Sam tweeted that. Um I interviewed Kevin Walker's dad, Pat, in the U Garden programme. So oh, um, plenty of plenty of Walker content. Right, so up next, and Prof, we have yeah. a cracker of an interview. It is um he was he was a bit of a villain at first and then he turned good. He was a uh, it was really young keeper coming into the four and, and Kenny signed him. <clears throat> so it was it's a very, very good interview, Prof. Up next. Well just yeah. to set this up, it was recorded in September just after we had drawn nil nil with them in Tala. So when he's when he's speaking about the group and the last game he played and he's talking about like uh over a month ago. So well, so, nearly two months ago. Here's the thing, Prof. He knows what happened in Richmond. <laughs> There's another one. Yeah, we'll get last. to the we'll get to the bottom of it eventually. But here he is, Oscar Janssen. So we're joined now by Oscar Janssen, uh, former Spurs and Shamrock Rovers goalkeeper. He was with us in 2012, and he's since been in Sweden uh, in his career. Uh, welcome to the show, Oscar. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Uh, you're with uh, North Shopping now. Um, you had a great four-one win over Hammerby last weekend, but uh, a tough one today uh, away to Malmo, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Um, I had sort of an up and down season so far, but hopefully now with a new manager and a good win at home in front of a big crowd, we should get the the season going a bit, finish it well, and then hopefully build on next season. We were just talking off air there. It's a near five-hour bus journey. Is that one of the longest you have to do in the country? Yeah, well, that's the sort of why, why Sweden is such a long country. That's the... A bit of a, a negative, you know. We have long, long away games, and yeah, since Osterson will relegated, when Graham Potter uh, was the manager, uh, they were far up north. But since they were relegated last season, this is probably the longest journey of them all. And you're just from a personal point of view, you're ever present this year. You played every game last year, so you're happy with how it's gone there. Yeah, with playing minutes, yes. But I think as the team been struggling up. Not struggling last year, but not the result hasn't been as good as we want them to be. And maybe as a player, it's hard to stand out as much as you want to when the team is not clicking, if that makes sense. So I think both personally and um, as a team, we can do a lot better. Um, as I said, we've got a new manager who came in a month ago and he, he wants to change things quite dramatically. And I think that could be a, a good thing for us and maybe for me too. So you grew up in uh, Orobro. Um, what teams did you play for as a as a young kid? I only played for a local club uh, called Kashlund. Um, and from there, I was with Sweden on the 16s, where Tottenham had scouts and we played Croatia away. So I'm, I'm from a local club where I played from five years old up to 16. And at 16, I moved to Spurs. So um, I only played for, for Kashlund, Tottenham and Orobro. And now North Shopping, so it's been four clubs, but obviously I, I was on loan quite a couple of times at, in, in England. So um, that's why I ended up at, at Shamrock at 2012. 
Yeah, with 27 or 2007, you joined Spurs at just 16. What was it like to, to join such a big club at that age? I don't think I was prepared for it really, and I didn't know the magnitude of it really. Um, as a kid from Sweden, you you watched the Premier League growing up, um, and when the chance came, it was sort of I was going to move somewhere in in 27, um, but I had five, six, or seven clubs from Sweden interested, and then I had a, a club from Holland as well. But when Tottenham came, it was sort of a no-brainer. Um, and it happened quite quickly. I was there on trial and then a week later I signed. So um, I think when it all is happening, you're sort of just going along with it. And then as I was there for five years, I sort of got to know it better and better. And obviously growing up at such a big club, it, it was fantastic. And um, it's quite different to how we do things in Sweden because in Sweden it's professional, but not, by far away from from how professional it all was in England, so it was a big step. And was I prepared for it? Probably not. Did I learn a lot? I did, and I think I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't make that that move and 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 took that journey at sixteen because it was tough, you know, moving away from your parents and and your friends and that. But I'm really happy that that I did that. You mentioned your your loan spells there, but were you ever in around the Spurs first team and did any of the star players make an impression on you at the club at the time? I was quite a bit, to be fair. Um, when Juan de Ramos was the player, uh, the manager, sorry, I was uh, third choice. I had a full pre-season and, and maybe two, three months into this season with the first team. And then obviously Harry Redknapp came in, uh, brought in a few older goalkeepers, but I was always with that kind of group of goalkeepers in, in training and, and did quite a lot of training with the first team as well. Uh, being on the bench in Europa League a couple of times in the squad in, in Premier League as well. So um, I was, I would say for the last two seasons, I was mainly with the first team in training and so on. So um, play with the likes of Modric and Bale and, you know, Michael Dawson, Ledley King, all of them. So as you can imagine, almost everyone made an impression, but playing alongside Modric when he was sort of breaking through in the Premier League, that was amazing to see. So you went to Exeter and Northampton and Bradford. Were you happy to gain some experience, but could you also probably, you wanted a bit more game time? Uh, yeah, obviously. Um, I think though as a goalkeeper, it's quite different to being an outfielder. Um, but that was always sort of the the goal when I went on loan to get game experience and, you know, first team football. And um, when I went to Exit, I was only 18 playing in League One. And um, I think that was probably the most uh, dramatic eye-opener, really, for me, because um, I went from youth team football into to men's football. And, and, and that's always something else. And I think everyone will tell you that it's different. But, um, you know, for me, it was more of adapting quickly because you go on loan and you're only there for like two, three, maybe four months. And you have to adapt to that kind of style of play in that team and um, being a more, uh, a, alongside different characters in the dressing room so I I always found them really really helpful the loan spells but um, probably Shamrock was the one that I learned the most because that was a full season you know and, and not just two or three months and then going somewhere else and you're obviously you were aware of Shamrock Garbers because we had met Spurs in the, in the group stages were you there that night or were you watching uh, somewhere else 
No, I was. I was at the stadium that night. That night, I remember. I was. I think it was Stephen Rice who scored a goal, or yeah. it deflected off at him. So, um, I think actually that was a one nil goal, wasn't it? I think Shamrock was up one nil. Yeah, or maybe one yeah. I can't remember. Yeah, but I was there, and I remember that. Um, so obviously, I had some knowledge before I came to Shamrock about about Shamrock. So you came to us on trial in February 2012, uh, pre-season friendly with Glenn Thorne. How did, how did this move come about? Do you remember who contacted you about Roberts? Um, no, I, I only had the information that Shamrock wanted me alone straight away. And I don't think it was a, a trial. It was more for me to see what I was going into. And I remember I flew into uh, Dublin that night and then obviously we travelled up to Belfast, I think it was. Played that game. It was windy. It was raining. It was horrible, really, in, in in every sense. And I can't remember the score, but I think it was maybe one one or something like that. Um, so then I spoke to Stephen Kenny, manager at the time, and um, goalkeeper coach as well. Uh, and and as I said, I needed game experience and, and and minutes under my belt. And going into Champions League qualifying stage as well, that was a massive point for me. to said, okay, I'm going to go there and and do the best I really can. But, um, that was how it came along. Yeah, Stephen Kenny is now the manager of the Ireland and the national team. What were your first impressions of him? Uh, I don't really remember the first expression, but impression, sorry. Um, but for me, it was quite a set squad, to be fair. It was a, a lot of experience there with Gary Twig, uh, Craig Sivers, Ken O'Man, Craig, uh, Chris Turner. And there was uh, loads of experienced players and, and it was sort of uh, quite easy to get into the team, I remember, because there was, was good characters and, you know, um, having won the league two years on the bounce before that, it was it was uh, exciting to go in to try to win the third and obviously the, the Champions League uh, qualifiers. Yeah, like you say, you were obviously aware of the success, the previous season, two league titles and the group stages. So, yeah. Having a new manager was there was the pressure there to keep that going and win more. Absolutely, it was. Um, and maybe, as I said, going into that season in 2012, that was probably my first season of being a number one goalkeeper and having the pressure of you have to win every match and you have to take a lot of points and you don't you can't really afford to have a uh, a bad match or a, a bad spell of two three games and it didn't start particularly particularly well for for me i think i struggled that maybe the first 10 12 games and we sort of slipped up a bit and sligo or fly in that season they won literally every match and up until the summer so um i definitely felt that i didn't have that experience going into that season and i learned a lot them first two three four months and then I think I actually bounced back after the summer and had a really good spell from maybe July up until the finish of the season. But it took me quite a while to get into it. And and maybe, as I said, having won the two seasons previous before that, um, the expectations were high from fans, which it should be. But was I ready? Maybe not. But did I learn a lot? Absolutely. But um, I take a lot of, uh, you know, I'm really, really grateful for Shamrock for bringing me in that season and, and believing in me, which they did. Um, and maybe I didn't have the best start of the season, and maybe that cost us the um, the trophy that year. Yeah, as you say, you had a very good second half of the season, but the first half, you came in for a bit of criticism. So how did you sort of handle that pressure at the time? 
um, I took it to heart quite a bit, to be fair, because um, I wanted to do well and I worked ever so hard in training to, to do well. But um, as a goalkeeper, you can't force situations in a match. And maybe I wanted to show a bit too much who I were, who I am and, and what I could do. So, as I said, I learned a lot in them first two, three months because it was... Um, it was a lot different coming from Spurs as well with the training facilities and match facilities and all that. So um, I had to dig really, really deep to get up mm. from that start. But I'm quite proud that I did. And in the end, I hope that the Hoops fans um, saw a bit of what I could do, but I should have done more, that's for sure. But I was really, really lucky to get that season, to be fair. And I'm really grateful to to the fans and to the manager and the whole club that they brought me in that season because he gave me sort of a a kickstart in in my career. Yeah, you were on loan initially until the end of June, but you were released by Spurs. So when that happened, were you happy to come back to Robbers and sign until uh, the end of the year? That was actually my decision because I had an optional year with Tottenham, and then they asked me what. I wanted to do and I sort of said okay I have a foot now in in a team where I'm playing regularly and I need to keep doing that and um, so it was actually my decision to part with Tottenham and and sign for for Shamrock for for that the remainder of the season so um it was a tough decision I won't lie but um I still think it was the right decision for me because obviously Loris came in that summer and I saw myself that I'm not going to go anywhere near the first team. And was I ready for that? Probably not. So I still think that that was the right decision, but it was a tough one to take for sure. Uh, the Champions League game, we played Kranis. Um, was that a good experience for you at your age? I think I believe it's the only European game uh, you've played in your career. Or is, it, or is it a negative memory because of that result in Lithuania? It's the only one I've played in. I've been involved, as I said, on the bench with Tottenham. Uh, but playing is obviously different. So, uh, great experience. Obviously, very disappointed that we didn't go through. I think we created enough in that second leg to, to go through. But it was a bit... When you're having a season where it's like post-out, it's tough to get that momentum to turn and, and get every little margin that you need with you. So I think um, maybe it was one of them seasons that we were unlucky, yes, but we maybe didn't deserve the, the the full sort of luck that you need to go through in them kind of games. But experience-wise, it was uh, a massive one for me. And uh, even though it was in Lithuania, you still felt that playing European games is something different to, to playing league matches week in and week out. So you were playing quite well in the, in the latter half of the season, but... But the team, of course, Stephen Kenny was sacked and Brian Laws came in. Uh, we're beating the League Cup final. Unfortunately, we missed out on Europe as well. So in general, was there did the season end in disappointment for Roberts? Yeah, it must have been a disappointment. Um, both from our, the players and for the fans. Um, but it's, I think when you had a success, as I said, winning the two years before that and maybe a cup final as well. I can't really remember. Um, at some point, you have to change. And at some point, there's going to be a step back before you can excel even more. So I think maybe that season with the players that they lost as well, it was inevitable to to sort of have the success with such a big squad rotation. So um, the expectations were high and I think we could have reached them. But 
it was not just unlucky for us not to reach it because I think we didn't have um, the kind of togetherness and you know playing with each other enough for us to reach it too. But um, we could have done it. It's just weren't lucky or good enough to do it. And how did you find living in uh, Dublin and as a city and sort of who was your your friends and the team? I stayed in a house with uh, Chris, Sivi and uh, Twiggy. So they were kind of the, the guys that I was uh, hanging out with. Daryl Kavanagh as well. They had a house with him and uh, Killian, Killian, what was his name? Killian Brennan. Killian Brennan. Yeah, that's it. Uh, and there were houses as well, so we were hanging out quite a bit. But um, I say I still keep in touch a little bit with Sivi. It was uh, uh, a while back that I texted him, but for some years we we still texted. And um, no, it was a great, you know, half year. I think it was seven months that I stayed, and I I made good friends. Um, but I was still so young uh, <laughs> looking back at it now. So. Maybe I didn't take uh, advantage of living in Ireland enough. I should have been sighting a bit more and, you know, going away from Dublin. But you live as oh, you learn as long as you live. So what it is. And the fans recognized you at the end of the season with the Young Player of the Year award. Do you remember that ceremony and, uh, and receiving the trophy? I did. Absolutely. And I was really, really grateful again. But I, again, I think I really kicked on from July and on and onwards that season and, and played really, really well towards the end of the season. So um, I was grateful and, as I said, quite proud of myself that I could turn it around because it was a tough start. But um, as happy and grateful as I was, I was still disappointed that we couldn't do more because we had... Okay, maybe the league wasn't... We were never near to, to, to challenge Sligo, but we still had two cup finals that we could have won. And I was disappointed that we didn't go to Aviva Stadium to play that. So there was disappointment blended with a kind of um, gratefulness. Is that true? you still at home? I still do have it. Um, it's in a box because we we just moved houses in North Shopping. So it is in a box. I keep, uh, I take good care of it. It's, uh, it's wrapped up and all that, but I don't have a trophy cabinet at home that I put stuff in because my missus won't allow me, but I still have it and I still look at it from time to time. And some of your teammates are still here, of course. Aaron Green, Sean Gannon uh, and Ronan Finn still going strong at his age. Yeah, yeah. It's good to see, even though everyone has been elsewhere since I played with them, but um, obviously Gano and uh, Finn have had good spells at uh, Dundalk winning the league and having European football and Greener was I think he was a Bray was he and he's been around I think yeah quite a few, a few places clubs, yeah, yeah. Um, now I still see that but um, I think Finner was always coming back to his hometown club wasn't he so and, uh, obviously Ghana was, was still young when I played and I don't know if he's left that season or if he left the season after I left but um, they have been having good careers ever since I left so you spent eight seasons at uh, Arbro, your hometown club, and uh, you won promotion in your first year, 2013. So it was a good start for you. Yeah, and as I said, that season at Shamrock really, really helped me going on to having a good career in, in, in Sweden. But I learned a lot in 2012 about myself, but also about um, playing 
men's football, league football every week because it's very different to go along for a full season and go on alone, as I said, to Exeter for eight games and then go to Bradford for four games and, and so on. So um, I think that that half second half of the season in 2012 really helped me to bounce in Sweden in 2013 because that was a really good year for myself and obviously for Örebro because um, they were relegated in 2012 and sort of said, okay, we're going to build a squad to bounce back straight away. I came in, two or three other players came in and we literally just absolutely killed it in, in Superettan, as it's called, in the second tier in Sweden. Um, so again, I'm really, really grateful to, to Shamrock for bringing me in because um, without that season, it would have taken me even longer to get my career in, in, into where it's gone. So, um, okay, I didn't maybe play as well as I could have done for the first half a season. But then from that, it was um, personally really, really important year for me. And you got to a Swedish Cup final in 2015 where you were beaten by uh, Gothenburg. Did you, did you surprise a few yeah. people with that run to the final? But also, was it tough to go um, so close to some silverware? Yeah, I think it did. Because in, obviously in 2013, we were promoted. And then we started the 2014 season really well. Then I uh, had a fracture in my arm and missed out nine games where the team didn't win a game. I came back and then we ended the last 12 games, I think it was, with 10 wins, one and two losses. And um, from that into the... Because we have the Swedish Cup. In, uh, in pre-season now because our pre-season is so long without uh, you know cup or league games we have it from December up until mid-April so they sort of uh, rescheduled the, the Swedish Cup made it into a pre-season tournament so we went through the group stages uh, one against Malmo and Elfsborg two big teams in Sweden and then we had the cup final in May but we started the league poorly in 2015 and then obviously we lost the final 2-1 to Gothenburg. But again, we had a really young squad, um, a squad of literally 90% players from Örebro as well. So we had a good squad and I think the club should have built on that. But after the cup final, they sold the cup players and, and we would never really turned it back around to what it was in 2013 and 14, and the start of 15. But... That's um, that's football sometimes. You mentioned that Rovers, you you wanted to play at the Aviva Stadium in in the cup final like that. When we played there last time, it was thirty thousand as a neutral venue. But now it's in Sweden. They do mm. a draw for which team gets home advantage, and Gothenburg yeah. won the draw for home advantage. Do you find that unfair? Would you rather a neutral venue? Yeah, we were absolutely fuming with that decision because that was the first year that they did the draw. Um, up until then, it was neutral pitch. And then 50-50 between the fans and, and, and tickets. But for some reason, they changed it that year. And obviously, it went to Gothenburg. And I still don't think that that draw was fair. But again, that's football. And we couldn't really do anything about it. Um, we actually had the lead 1-0 in, in half time, But then they were so strong in the second half. And we didn't stand a chance to, to win it. But um, again, I still don't think that that draw was 100% fair. And you won goalkeeper of the year in 2020. Would that have been the, the best season for you personally so far? Yeah, I think 19 was also good. Um, but I think you build sort of a, a reputation in, in football and maybe the seasons of 18 and 19. And then obviously 20 was good as well. But that I think two seasons prior to that, 
made me win it. So maybe it was a uh, uh, for good service in in the league for many years. But no, um, I, I I played well. Uh, but in Erebus, you're always going to have a lot of chances against you. And that season, it, it sort of everything just bounced at me. And, and I was lucky enough to to have many um, saves that meant that we won matches. So maybe that was uh, the, the standout for the, the two, seasons before, two seasons before that. And you're on the cap for, for Sweden in 2014. This was a friendly against Iceland, played in uh, yeah. Abu Dhabi of all places. So was that a, yeah. a big honour for you? It was, and I was called up after um, when I moved home in in 2013. I was called up, so actually that season for Rovers meant that I was called up for the the senior squad the first time, and then I went on a preseason tour, which they always have in 2013. I went 2014, and I went 2015 as well. Um, so I was lucky enough to get one game. I should have had maybe two, three, but due to regulations that they couldn't make substitutions, they uh, choose to uh, bring out uh, centre-halves and, and full-backs instead of me, which may be quite annoying. But um, anyway, I have one senior cap. Uh, and if you're lucky enough, maybe I can get one more. Who knows? And you were watching Robbers against your garden on uh, Thursday night. You told me you were considering travelling over to Dublin, but uh, you had to settle for yeah. the TV. Uh, what do you think I actually thought... Uh, I actually thought it was in Stockholm. That was why I was thinking of going. But I'm I'm gonna go now when they play in Stockholm for sure. I'm gonna try to uh, get in contact with uh, maybe Finner and, and Gano to see if I can get to meet them. But uh, I watched the game on, on on telly and I think it was um, quite even game. I don't think Jurgen played particularly well uh, compared to what they can. Um, but I think Rovers made it tough for them and. A draw was uh, absolutely not an unfair result. Um, but I think when they go over to Stockholm, it's going to be quite a different game because they play on AstroTurf in Stockholm and it's a quick pitch. Uh, it's a massive stadium and it's going to be very, very different for the Rovers players to play in Stockholm. Um, but I think they play well, had a couple of chances. Maybe they should have scored one. Maybe Jordan should have scored one too. But um I was impressed by how they neutralised Jurgen because they were quite a, a shadow of themselves in, in that game. Yeah, you've obviously played against them um, this season and previous seasons. How do you find them as a team? How strong do you think they are? They're strong. Uh, they're second in the league now. And they're really, you know, it doesn't matter where you play them or when you play them. They, they always do the same thing. And they have a big squad. They have good players in every possession really and actually I was quite surprised by the lineup of them I think they should have played a different kind of uh, team but um, they're strong now and they've had the same managers for years which means a lot they have players just brought up with the club but they also added you know really good uh, individual players to that so they're quite a strong team but um, see it's, it's football is not easy it's it's about who wants it the most on that on the given day so um again i was impressed by how uh, how rovers sort of neutralized them because i think you got and they they play different where they play at home and so it's going to be interesting to see if they can do it again in the in the second leg and in terms of predictions for the group both games have been nil nil so far um yeah who do you think is getting out of this group uh, I think Ghent will go through. 
and then I think it will be between Molde and Jorgarden actually. Um, just because um, I think the away games for Rowe is going to be so different on, compared to what they used to. Um, but again, if they can get a draw maybe in the first away leg and then um, sort of grab a, a win, they have all the chances to go through. But I think that the other teams are a little bit too strong for them this year. Finally, just a general question about goalkeepers. Our current goalkeepers, um, Adam Manis, back in his second second spell at the age of forty, yeah, and he, he seems to be getting better somehow. But um, he has he did make a couple of mistakes last year, but he seems to have the mentality of he's able to just forget about it and put it out of his head. Yeah, does that come with experience, or is it a mentality? If you go back to your time at Rovers, you obviously made a couple of mistakes, but you recovered from it and you had a very good season. So is it is it a mentality of a goalkeeper or is it age or is it both? I think it's a mix of them. I think um, I think there's goalkeepers that does the mistakes and never bounce back, and then obviously that's a mentality thing. Um, but I also think that um, Perry Suckling said this to me: the goalkeeper coach who brought me to Tottenham that you're going to go through a season and you're going to let goals in that you think you're going to save. But it's impossible to go through a season without making mistakes or saving all the balls that you think you're going to save. That's just the natural of football. That's just the nature of football. So if you have that in the back of the mind and you sort of know, okay, that's one of them and you go through, it's all about the next action. Um, it, it's going to be tough and you're going to be exposed and you're going to be questioned and you're going to be, uh, it's going to be heaven and hell for a goalkeeper. But if you can sort of be uh, constructive in the way you think, I think that's going to help you. But how to get to that point, that comes with experience, but it also comes with uh, confidence. It comes with uh, self-belief and, and all them things. So I think um, if you don't have enough mentality and enough of sort of strong will, you, you, you're never going to make it to the absolute top. Um, but then again, it happens to everyone. And, and it's just how to deal with it and, and how to sort of be your best mate when you need to be your best mate and then how to be critical when you need to be critical. That, that, that's my view of it and that's sort of how I try to deal with, with mistakes and even even good spelting games. That's it, Oscar. Absolute pleasure to meet you. Thanks for talking to me today. Thank you, Carl. Been a pleasure. Um, if, um, if you see him over in... Uh... Stockholm, will you politely remind them that we are fucking Rovers and not Shamrock? Yeah, there was a lot of Shamrocks there, right? Um, it doesn't bother me as much as it does some people. Um, maybe when people were listening to that, they were yelling at me to to cut in and say, "Stop that!" Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't matter when the Americans and the Farders say Shamrock. <laughs> maybe the English, because you like, you think they would get it more. Um, yeah, damn. some brilliant stuff anyway. And he spoke. Uh, it's, it seems like he's still pals with uh, Cav and, or sorry, with Greener and Gano. Yeah, and Ugarden actually played against Jansen there um, last night on Monday. Uh, beat him with a 97 minute winner. Oh, no. But it's counted for nothing because Hacken had already won the league with a 4 0 win over Gothenburg yeah. on Sunday. So it would have been good if that had gone to the last day. And that was still on the line. Our Hammerby friends couldn't yeah. drag it over the line. So, yeah, brilliant stuff from Oscar. 
Um, First ever league win for Hacken. That's what I was looking at. I was Kinda looking at that. I love that because it's not a, host, a household name, is it? Mm. When you think of like leagues all over Europe, you wouldn't, when you hear Spain, you think of Hammerby, you think of AOK, think of Gothenburg, you don't think of Hacken. Yep. So, Prof, next up, Stan Levin's our predictions. Alright, I'm gonna go for I'm gonna go for a mad one here. Are we here after Ashley this force? Is there anything we're reaching? Are we going towards stats here? Is there anything we're on the cusp of? Stat wise? Just Manus looking to equal the clean sheets record. Right. So Manus Manus starts for me anyway. I'm gonna go Grace Pico clearly. I want I wanna see Grace again before the end of the season. Oh, Purely well, because he's been getting a bit of stick. I presume you're picking the UCD team as well. Um, so we should mention there is something to break there. We're trying to break our points tally from last season. Ooh. So it was 78 last year. We can get 79. Um, Brazzer is talking about next season maybe breaking the all-time record. Dundaka, 87 in 2018. That, I thought we could only get 78, so that possibly mm. changes my team now. Also, Manus and Brian Maher are level 15 clean sheets for the season. So, Manus just needs the one... It would depend on how... I'd Ma- imagine we get Depends it. on how Maher gets on against Dundaka. I'd imagine we pick that up tomorrow. But I'm going to go Grace Pico, clearly. Uh, Lions of Ferrugia, a bit of pace out wide. Um, Hor and Towel in the middle. Sean Horenbauer our new midfielder our new midfielder in the middle of the park with Tell who's and, been Oct- and a late October signing oh. midfielder so I was going to go believe it or not I was going to go Ferrazoy Oidemo and Gideon just to get them out there and have a look against <laughs> the UCD team that are pretty much safe I wanted to see even how after it goes. Justin's red card you want to play him in Europe again is can he does that go into the league does, I presume he's suspended yeah, uh, Cabo's suspended by the way right so Cabo's out as I think well. he has too many yellow. oh sorry I'm picking my UCD team here oh, apologies apologies this is my UCD team I'm picking I'm totally forgetting about the other one Um, that was you're right so that's my UCD team done Ferrazoy Oidemo <laughs> Gideon who's the front uh, I got Oidemo get, get, get my goal but for for your gardens I'm going to go Manus it's got to be Pico Cleary and Hor at the back who have we got in the middle? Who's patched up? So we've no Cavo now. Well, uh, we should mention Jack and Berkey came off the bench against Derry. Um, I was thinking they wouldn't even feature again. But um, they came back, so... It might be yeah, Grace. I'd like to start... I actually would like to start both of them if they're fit enough. I think I'm going to go Grace Pico clearly here and, and have Hor and Tell in the middle anyway because that's possibly all we have fit. It depends on McCann as well. If McCann is fit, I'll probably take out Grace. And I pull Hor in, but I want Grace to start against UCD. Um, and then we'd slip in McCann into the midfield with Tell. Gary O'Neill is out, we know that. No point in pushing him. Lines of Ferrugia on the wings again. And Gaff up front, of course. We give Watts a go. Watts has got to create and make chances in Europe and step up. Because let's be honest, he's been, Europe has been a bit of a struggle for him. So I'm going to start Watts in this one. And I'd say we'll go Bourne if he's fit. Is this your Eurogarden team? No. That's just off the top of my head. That's the UCD one. Yeah. But you definitely won't. I'm not. What a full strength against your yeah, garden anyway. Full strength against um, your garden. Considering what it's worth. Whether you know? Berkey's fear. Now, he doesn't tend to play, you know, he, he never plays like Jack, Watts, Burke, Gaffney all at once, does he? I know but we're not a Bassett fan of Watts and Burke or Watts and Jack playing together, but I think they need to break that one. 
I'm gonna go for dead. It's it's nothing to them. Dead rubber to them. But once again, it's financial as well. So ah, fuck it. We we'll go for a win, prof. One nil win, late one. Uh, oh, you you Gordon, I'm saying one nil. I've said consistently. I think we're gonna get our first win in the last game. Lovely. Be- because I don't think you Gordon will care, but. Even then, they'll be they'll be tough to beat. Even yeah. if even though they've topped the group and they don't need anything from it, um, it would still be a great result if we got it. But uh, yeah, I'm saying one nil. One nil to um, the prof. UCD, Tonkin for me five nil. UCD are just waiting for a playoff now, so meaningless game for them. I just think back to that game against UCD earlier in the season up in the hill, so and we went three up, and then. Nothing happened. Nothing else. Nothing Nothing else. Happened. Gone. I had 4 0. I had 4 0. I had a few quid in it. Thanks for that, lads. Some lads were asking me what's our all time record win. I was like, when's the last time we, we scored eight? <laughs> I was like, lads, come on. And then we didn't score again. No, so, it's, uh, it's definitely. I'm going I'm going for a Tonkin. I'm not. I'm saying two. And um, celebration in the bar, in the UCD bar afterwards. Um, Play yeah. the year wars, prof. Well, Irish Town House, we should mention. Oh, they're, the they're, Irish Town House, they have a yes. Little, little bit of a thing on. Two till six in the Irish Town House, the home of football. Pride of Rings End are putting on another party. A top, top, top group. Great lads. All fantastic people. Good football. Good Rovers, lads. And they're putting on two till six. So Hooperman will be there and he'll have a head. <clears throat> it be hasn't head- been severed. Won't be headless Hooperman. And I'm hoping we can have the trophy there. But if it's banjoed, we're not sure what's going to happen. <laughs> we're going to do our best, but uh, no, make sure still, you head out. The trophy still looks like a trophy. It's just please hold both ends of it. Yeah, very That's much, what very I'm tightly. Yeah. So it's two till six in the OH in Rings End, and then on to uh, seven o'clock kickoff in uh, UCD. So it's a big one, Prof. Big one. We're going to have a bit of crack and a few points. And the player of the awards, prof, guest lineup. We have. See, you've added, added some rings in, man. Absolutely jam packed stage. How are they all going to fit in the stage? Oh, we'll get them on, prof. We'll get them on. So we're saying, what have we got? We've got Hoare, we've got Gaff, we've got Gary O'Neill, we've got Andy Lyons, we've got Alan Manis. The rings and crew, we've got a serious lineup, prof. It's all going down. We've got all sorts of surprises planned. Tifties.com. T F T E S.com. I have to spell it out now. <laughs> Um, and it's going to be a fucking great night we've a band booked we've a DJ we've a saxophone there's food drinks the whole lot it's party time prof. is it the same saxophone guy I saw a video of one playing in the Abbo is that's him, him. Is same him, man yeah. daddy sax as they call him that's him and if you want to come down and check it out come on down the sax, sax tunes the sax tunes but, um, so in terms of Europe 34,770 kilometres travelled so far oh I like that bro you know this was actually a quiz question on Twitter somebody won tickets they got closest to the figure Um, you Gordon Brazzer has spoken about bringing the home form into the away games Uh, we're trying to top them docks four points Mm. we have to win obviously to break that but um, and this is our 53rd and 54th games Competitively this season It's been a long old year It's been a long year But one of the most Enjoyable and memorable In history Of Shamrock Rovers And I'm sure everybody Would agree with me I've loved it But I'm also ready For it to end Yeah I'm uh, I think I've seen the football It's a It's Uh, a long one Having said that I'm flying out Wednesday morning To watch more football (laughs) Uh, 
I'm uh, flying from Dublin straight into Stockholm on the Wednesday morning. Every time I tell people that, it's like, ooh, money bags. No, I, comfort bags. And I'm like, actually, this flight didn't wasn't that expensive. Mm. Uh, you obviously weren't on the ball. No. When they, these flights went up, it wasn't that much. Relatively speaking, I'm that wasn't that much. Um, I'm flying back through London on the Friday. I think Emma Wheatley and Tommy Tormey are on my flight, so I have good what company. What a sandwich that is, Prof. Are you the top or the bottom? Or are you the ham in the middle? Well, I don't know if we're going to be seated together, but uh, they're down the flight. Um, lack of details on a boozer. This is strange. It's a tricky one. Normally um, a week before, we know where we're going. You've organised normally. In this case, you're not going, so... Yeah, but normally I don't mind organising it from afar, remotely, but this one's been a little bit trickier this time around, so... What was I the name of the one in 2018? Den Gronen Great little boozer. So, and I think that's going to be a little bit of a spot for people to kind of link up and meet up, but as, as far as organising an official one and tickets, I think they're keeping it under wraps because... Of a certain element that exists within football, so um, the less we say about that, the better. But mm-hmm. uh, you'll be informed as as much as you need to know soon enough. It's one so. of those you, you you jump on WhatsApp and your, exactly. your mate will tell you where he and is. Once and once it kicks off, yeah. someone knows right where there's your tickets for wildfire. Everybody will get it. It won't be a big deal. So um, so this is my first European trip without you, Gar. Right. Since, oh geez, since yeah. White Hart Lane. Oh my God, a long time ago, <laughs> and. Uh, Darren in the points, he's a regular listener. You might see him on Twitter now and then. He's out, he's messaging us. Uh, I love the description of, of Rory Gaffney. He's he's basically holding the sprint button on FIFA <laughs> <laughs> all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He actually has got a mad run. Well, he wants me to point out that, Gar, I've done five more podcasts than you, and now I've done two more European trips than you. Is that right, yeah? Is that right, yeah? He wants me to say it. Oh, is that right? <laughs> okay, I remember that. <laughs> I'll remember that one <sighs> I'm just blaming him I may want to say it as well but that's it anyway for this season we'll have something next week we'll have a little discussion on our uh, end of season sessions and the player of the year award so keep make sure you get your tickets they are running out and we will stop selling them just a word of warning on the procedure it's very professional now Prof Future Ticket and are doing it you will get your digi ticket you will get a wristband you will get checked at the door and you will get scanned and then that will have entry in and then Never leaving again. You're stuck in there. But no, we are. We're getting a little bit more professional now, so we're gonna get it done right. So make sure you get your tickets. T E F or T F T E S dot com. dot com for the social event of the year. But all safe trip to all you hoops traveling to Stockholm and bring home the three points and the half the million quid. And we'll see you in the IH on Sunday. So keep on hooping. See ya.